This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Franchise Tech. I'm your host, Eric Salas. Joined along with me today, as always, over the phone, Chris Perotti. Chris, how we doing, man? Doing pretty well. A little stressed, but uh, doing all right. How about yourself? Uh, again, like I mentioned to you, right when you picked up the phone, I feel like garbage today, but there's a lot to talk about. The show must go on. This is my absolute favorite thing to do in the world is doing this podcast, and I wouldn't want to you know, do anything else right now, <laughs> actually. It, more, more, Even just laying down and relaxing, that's something... I, I definitely don't feel like doing right now, and just doing this podcast makes me happy, and I feel better already. So that being said, Chris, I talked to you about this last night, um, especially today. There is a lot to cover today and what's going on in the NFL, and even even at this very moment, it's March uh, 3rd right now. It's around 6.45. Um, new, news is still roaming around at the moment, so if there's any updates during this podcast, we'll be sure to give it. Um, but earlier today, we did have uh, some breaking news going on. Uh, as long as you're ready for the ride, are you ready to go and get go over everything that's going on in the NFL right now? I'm ready, but I'm about to break the biggest news that I've seen all day. Oh, go you for know it. what that is? Go for it. That the Giants are exercising the 2020 option for Alex Tanny. Oh, I saw that a little while ago. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna. From what I've read about about that, um, I think the Giants organization are big fans of Alex Tanny, and I think he's just competing for the backup role right now. And they liked how he yeah. made an impact on the development of Daniel Jones. So I guess keeping mm-hmm. him isn't gonna do isn't a crazy thing to happen to the Giants. They've had some bigger news, and they're gonna have even bigger news coming up in the future. But I think that's that's a good person to bring back for sure if you want to help Daniel Jones, and he's a big priority right now. So definitely. Um, so, but (laughs) that's like probably on everything on the list that might be like the least of importance of what we're going to be going over today. (laughs) So so (laughs) as long as we got that out of the way pretty early. Um, so I'll go over the first thing that, uh, you know, it's pretty much going to be a bunch of housekeeping after this breaking news segment that we're going to do right now. Mm -hmm. And of course it is franchise tag season. So we're going to go over a lot of players, um, who are going to probably be probably be getting the franchise tag or already have been franchise tagged or will be getting the transition tag. Um, but the news that broke out today was the Broncos and Jaguars agreed to a trade that will send cornerback A.J. Bouye uh, to Denver in exchange for a 2020 fourth-round pick. A.J. Bouye is under contract for two more seasons and due $13 million in base salary in both 2020 and 2021. After starting all 43 games he played in Jacksonville, which I actually didn't know, but absolutely love A.J. Bouye, especially when he was with uh, the Texans. He was, his, his stock was pretty high. This is how he got to Jacksonville in the first place uh the jaguars are scheduled exactly. to have 10 draft picks in april in uh, april um including six in the top four rounds double ones and double fours they are also scheduled to have nine picks in 2020 in the 2021 draft um including six uh in first in, in, six in first rounds double ones and double fours the jaguars are going to re- we're going to release aj boyer instead they found a landing spot for him in denver and get a fourth round pick out of it what'd you think of this news when it broke out and what do you think of the deal and uh, we'll jump into more as to where the jaguars are currently in their situation honestly i was sitting at my desk at work today and i saw the notification and i had a double take i was like wait what i didn't i didn't think it actually happened now the first thing that came to my mind is I know that Chris Harris was kind of wanting to get out of Denver. I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, this is going to be his replacement or this is going to be what kind of keeps him around. Oh, it's his replacement. 
He's they're getting rid of Chris Harris. It's it's been a while. It's been a long time coming for him to get rid of him. And uh, we're gonna mention this a little later. I'm sure there's like five teams involved in getting Chris Car- Chris Harris. So I'm sure the Broncos are trying to make a move. Um, actually, it was probably very very mutual at this point in time because I think the Broncos really wanted to get that replacement right away and not really think about it. And they got a fourth, and they only had to mm-hmm. give up a fourth for it. But I also think the Jaguars are also reaching out to everyone possible to get rid of players. So I think mutually that was probably the best-case scenario for the Broncos. So a big win on their part for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I, as you mentioned before, you know, I really became aware of A.J. Boye on his last season in the Texans because he had, like, one of the better seasons that year. Um in terms of being a corner. And I was like, wow, this guy's, you know, doing really well. And then he didn't end up going back to the Texans. He went to the Jaguars. And at the time, him and Jalen Ramsey were the duo. And I was just like, wow, this is this, this could be a scary secondary uh, just between them two. And, I mean, that was, uh, I think, the, their first year together. Their first or second year was the year they almost made to the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, they were a great duo. And, and A.J. Boye is a great corner. So, it's, uh, I think, honestly, I think it'll be a little bit of an upgrade in terms of, you know, Age-wise, I think he's a little bit younger than uh, Chris Harris, so yeah. it'll definitely be a uh, a great fit um, as a replacement for him in Denver. I think the bigger talking point here, and A.J. Boy is going to be okay, and the Broncos are definitely going to be okay getting A.J. Boy in there um, to, to be in their secondary. The big problem right now is Jacksonville, because like I mentioned to you before, they have a lot of picks coming up, and they're starting to get rid of players, and you know, pretty much the team that they had a little while back when they were in the AFC Championship against... Um, Tom Brady and the Patriots, which yeah. ended up moving on to win. What was that year? Did they win the Super Bowl that year? Am I mistaken there? Oh, the Pats? Yeah. Um, I want to say that was the year that they lost to the Eagles. That's what I was just thinking a second ago. So, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna... I, I think it was. Yeah, we'll go with that. I think that's probably it. <laughs> um, but here's the thing, right? So, the Jaguars a little while ago were considered to be a team to have one of the better – uh, defenses in the league, and then out of no- and then the next year they kind of have that you know I get not necessarily Super Bowl hangover because they never made it, but a kind of a hangover in a sense that a defense and an okay offense isn't going to help you win championships, and that kind of yeah came not to- today yeah exactly that that came to them pretty quickly, and then from there on they just couldn't find their footing again, and now the Jaguars are pretty much back to rebuilding and starting from scratch again, um, which I think mm-hmm. it's just it's just. I don't even know what to think because it's like you made it so close and then the downfall was just so quick and, and like a blink of an eye. Um, it seems to me like they're in a good spot considering that getting rid of all those guys and, you, and you'd think keeping some guys in there would help them out, but that now they get to save money by not paying. I know Jalen Ramsey goes over to the L.A. Rams instead, so I think moving on from him was probably the best move they could make at the time. They still have Calais Campbell and a bunch of other guys that have also left since then. Dante Fowler, who is probably he, yeah. he wants to play for the Falcons right now, but we're still gonna have to see what happens in terms of that. And um, I can keep on naming names. There's probably there's a whole list out there. I don't think I, I may have wrote it down. I'm not too sure. I'm gonna have to double check on Twitter and everything. But they lost like a good percentage of their guys on defense, and they're back to rebuilding. Um, how did how exactly did this happen like it, it happened so fast like i don't even I, I can't even wrap my head around this whole thing yeah i mean to be honest the way that i was looking at that team if i had to do a comparison within you know relatively recent teams they were very similar to the uh to the bears team that made it to the super bowl i think it was 06 or 07 against the colts rex grossman was their quarterback i mean nothing special it's the same thing blake bortles was nothing special he was just having like an, a, a little bit above average year for him. And, you know, the offense was doing all right. And that defense was really kind of what kept them going and kept them in those games. 
Um, and, and that's really, you know, the, both teams had that situation. And I feel like, um, you know, that they just had that, that year where, you know, everything seemed to click, everything went right for them. Um, and then, you know, the, the next year's moving forward, they just didn't have, I don't know, I don't want to say luck, but, you know, they just didn't have that luck. They didn't either the luck of the schedule or the, the things just didn't, that were going their way the previous years were not going their way now. Um, I feel like it, they were never really an, an amazing or a great team. I think they, you know, were one of those teams that kind of shot up one year and, and performed very well. Uh, but they had some issues. And then, you know, going into the next seasons, those issues weren't fully addressed. And, uh, you know, they came out like everybody mentioned they would. So in that AFC Championship game, the defense included Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Boye, Dante Fowler, Marcel Darius, Malik Jackson, Aaron Colvin, uh, Tashawn Gibson, Barry Church. All those guys are now gone. Unique Ngakwe wants out. He's going to get franchise tagged and probably traded. Um, and Telvin Smith probably. is currently away, and he now, and he stepped away for the year. He might come back, but now looking at the team that where he left it, it's not the same as it was before, so maybe he won't return back to the Jaguars. We won't know about his scenario. Um, and as and as my sports update tweeted, they said the NFL sta- it stands for not for long, which couldn't be any more true, and it's absolutely insane that that lineup um, only made it that far and not to bounce back the next year is pretty insane. And I think what makes it even worse is the whole Tom Coughlin situation. I don't think anyone at that point felt the need to want to play for the team anymore at that point because of the things he was doing. It was pretty shady, um, and he's not with the team anymore. I don't know if you saw, but Jalen Ramsey also tweeted the eyes emoji um, pretty much saying how he's kind of glad that his his buddy, A.J. Boye, is now out um, of Jacksonville and now in a better situation. Um, just It could be, a, you know, who knows what the situation will be in Denver, but apparently, according to Jalen Ramsey, that he's in a way better situation being out of Jacksonville. So we're going to have to see what happens now. They're looking to rebuild. And to kind of top this all off of what's going on in Jacksonville, they're also looking to move uh, on from Nick Foles. So they just signed one uh, after just one year. Uh, signing him to a four-year, $88 million deal. The team has decided to move forward with Gardner Minshew as their quarterback one. Um, what would you think of that? What would you think of the original signing of Nick Foles? Did you think this was going to work out? And now moving on from him and now moving forward to Gardner Minshew, is that their best decision right now? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of the the massive deal that he got because – you know, to me, he, he did win a Super Bowl, which you can't discredit him for that. Uh, but, you know, his whole career, or most of his career, when when he was a, the most effective, I would say he came in to relieve for somebody. Um, and, and his seasons that he had where he played most of the season were not exceptionally great. Uh, so I wasn't thinking, you know, he was deserving of that massive contract. I thought that was a big gamble to take. Um, and I don't know, maybe the Jaguars are figuring that out now, that that wasn't, you know, the greatest take. And, I mean, Gardner Minshew also surprised. I mean, nobody really expected Gardner Minshew to perform the way he did. Um, so I guess that kind of made the decision a little bit easier for the uh, the Jaguars. But I, I, was, I was shocked because I thought, you know, I, I, they just got him into this big deal. He played basically a game. And I'm like, oh, they're not going to move on from him yet. There's no way. And, and they did. So I was very surprised by the move um, and the contract, I guess you would say. But, it, I, hey, if it's true they're trying to rebuild, I guess you know that makes the most sense. It does make the most sense. But the problem is now I would have never expected that they would have to pay – you know, a guy like Nick Foles, who was probably looking for a, a team at the moment and probably could have been signed anywhere. And who knows if it would have worked out elsewhere. But I think Jacksonville was probably the only place at the moment that probably would have helped him um, in the best way possible. 
And then they didn't yeah. have to pay Jalen Ramsey, which they got lucky with because if they did, they'd probably have to move on from him at this point in time. But with Nick Foles, how are you going to move on from that contract? I feel like the only way you could do that is if you do end up sending him somewhere where a team will probably be willing to pay half and half with Jaguars paying and the other mm-hmm. team paying. But what are like landing spots right now that make the most sense? I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to move him anytime soon, like especially with the well, draft coming up and everything. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, the last podcast that we had, we were talking about um, some other quarterbacks like Philip Rivers, for example, um, you know, possibly Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota, just some of those guys. And that's exactly what we said. We, we didn't really know where people were going to land because we didn't really know what teams needed quarterbacks. And if they did, most of them were probably going to be drafting somebody. Um, so the, the market for a quarterback to come in and kind of, you know, take over, um, I don't I don't see it being very big going in, in during this offseason. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't. It's kind of hard to bring him in, though. I, don't, I can't imagine a team that's going to be drafting a quarterback is going to bring him in and want him to be a backup. I mean, maybe if he's a backup somewhere where they already have an established quarterback that's maybe on the, you know, on their way out or going to be out soon, you know, maybe that makes the most sense, but I don't think he's going to get an, an automatic starting role, um, you know, if he does get traded. Soon. Probably not. That's why I'm saying I don't know who is going to be willing to pick up that contract and possibly pay half and half. Even then, it's still a lot of money. Um, but they still have Doug Marone, right, and they still have John Filippo, which I think are two coaches that are probably not going to bring the most success to that franchise. I'm going to be quite frank here, um, to, to be quite honest with you, especially over the past couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. They couldn't get that offense up and going. They still kind of can't get that offense up and going. But with Gardner Minshew, I think he's going to be the light at the end of the tunnel. I think he's going to bring a lot of talent um, to the team. And they still have some talented um, wide receivers like DJ Chark. And mm-hmm. you know, and they, there's, a, there's a lot of potential wide receivers in the draft that they could probably take. Um, if that's the direction they want to go in, because right now they're just kind of just freeing cap and and you know I, I don't know exactly what what, what where they're going to spend their money, but yeah, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, yeah, I mean the the one thing that draws so much uh, confusion from me is I'm looking at uh, one of the trade rumors right now, and I don't know if this has been really you know announced a lot, but they obviously you mentioned about Calais Campbell, you know they might be interested in getting rid of him, trading him somewhere. But two other guys that are on that list are Brandon Linder, who's their center, and Andrew Norwell. Yeah, I think that was one of the bigger break in terms of breaking the bank. A lot of teams, especially the Giants, were looking at getting Norwell, and that was kind of their way of trying to build the offense to try to help better help them. Mm-hmm. Because at the time they did have Blake Bortles, and he was he they did spend a third overall pick on him in a pretty heavily defensive position draft at the time where like we always make fun Mm -hmm. of this draft it's like Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald were picked way 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 after um you know Blake Bortles later on and it wasn't necessarily a quarterback heavy draft at the time but I guess the uh, Jaguars a little desperate um but yeah you know I I don't know that I think the the Jaguars are are, are in one of the toughest positions right now as a team in terms of yeah I mean in terms of the picks that they have um, they'll be okay, but in terms of as a team overall right now and where the money needs to be spent and how they're going to be able to save money over the next couple of years, I would expect this team to be um, down in the dirt in the division they're in, especially with the Titans emerging as a top team. And their only worries right now is is seeing if they're going to tag uh, Ryan Tannehill or Derrick Henry, and either one of those guys I think you're comfortable with doing either uh, to, to both of those guys or, or paying one of them, I, I don't think they'll hesitate to do so. So I, it's just 
a, a weird turnaround that was made, but um, they were never able to bounce back, and now this is the position they're in right now. Um, yeah, let's talk about uh, some housekeeping that we didn't go over because, of course, last time we recorded the second um, we hit stop, um, all hell broke loose, <laughs> and we and we haven't been able to record this past week, so we're kind of doubling down. Um, the latest thing that happened when we stopped recording um, was that Greg Olson signed a one-year deal with the Seahawks uh, for $7 million. What do you think of this signing? I mean, at first I looked at it and I go, wow, you know, that, that should be that's pretty solid, another weapon for Russell Wilson. And then I thought, yeah, but that's what I said about Jimmy Graham, and they never used him. So I don't, I don't really know. I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know how I feel either, considering that Will Disley he did have an Achilles tear, and it was it was a season-ending injury. But I still do think he how he holds a lot of value. Same thing with with uh, Vanette. But I mean, it's not going to hurt them either. Mm-hmm. Spending seven million dollars for one year for Greg Olson, I think Russell Wilson was probably a heavy advocate to try to get him in there and try to help a little bit because the last success that they had was with Jimmy Graham, and they didn't really use him in the red zone. But who knows what they'll do with. Greg Olson, um, he still thinks he has some fuel in the tank. I mean, he's out here commentating XFL games still, which he's doing a great job at. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he obviously sees the market in that. So the one-year $7 million may look okay right now, especially since he still wants to play. But the amount of money Tony Romo got recently, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, I'm sure he's very excited to continue um, pursuing that um, after this one-year deal is done. Because I'm not sure – if he'll probably be playing after this year, I'm not sure. I'm surprised he's back in the first place. But I think after yeah. after losing Ron Rivera, I think all the vets are getting trying to get out of Carolina and move over to somewhere else. So I'm, I'm pretty happy for Greg Olson. I don't know if you saw this. I just saw this right before we started recording. He played with DK Metcalf's dad. His father, yeah. And, yeah, played with, and is now going to play with DK Metcalf. And he said that will be the first time yeah, ever in his career yeah. he played with someone's father and his son. I thought that was very cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that just goes to show you how long he's been in the (laughs) league for. Speaking of tight ends, Austin Hooper will be testing free agency, and this was something that was released a little while ago. But this is a big thing in terms of our podcast because you are a Falcons fan, and that's heavily known. Um, He's expected to get a big deal with the new team, um, which pretty much means that the reason he was leaving Atlanta is because I don't think they were willing to give him a big deal, which I think was a big mistake on their part. He was one of their bigger weapons this past year. He's been in in development over the past couple years, and you definitely saw potential there. And then finally this year, he finally broke out. And the teams that are... Um, expected to be in pursuit um, for Austin Hooper are the Packers and the Patriots. What do you think um, of the Atlanta Falcons moving on from a guy like Austin Hooper, who you are definitely a big fan of? Yeah, I mean, I am a big fan of him, but I I kind of had suspicions once, you know, towards the, the probably week like 12, 13, 14, I started to think, yeah, He's going to be looking for a decent amount of money because he's been performing pretty well, and, and I don't know where the Falcons are going to come up with it. Um, so this one didn't hurt as hard as – yeah, yeah, it didn't hurt um, as much as it probably would have because I, I almost saw it coming. I knew that – almost knew that this was happening. Um, that's not to say that I'm you know not upset about it, but I just think uh, – I think it's going to be hard because, uh, you know – we, we have, we basically, as you mentioned, you developed him from the bottom up. I mean, he started as like a, as an okay tight end, and then we really developed him, turned him into one of the, the better tight ends now. Um, and I just, I don't know. I really, obviously, I'd want him to come back, uh, but I just, I, I don't think it's happening. I think 
The Patriots are in desperate need of a tight end. They wanted Hunter um, Henry, um, but Hunter Henry might get franchise tagged by the Chargers. So if anything is going to happen, they'll probably have to trade for him. But their best bet right now, and it's probably going to be a head-to-head matchup between the Packers and the Patriots, to try to get a direct signing um, from Austin Hooper. I think that's probably their best bet right now. Exactly. And, I mean, it, it's. I think, I think they'll find a way to do it. I mean, I don't know. I really personally don't know, obviously, where Austin Hooper is in his career in terms of if, you know, I mean, I think at this point he, he should try to chase the money. Uh, he is young, try to get that money out of the way. And then, you know, I mean, I don't know if the Patriots will give him a huge amount of money, but, you know, I guess the uh, to make up for it, you know, they are, they do have, almost every year have a chance of winning a Super Bowl. So, you know, that's also some great quality that maybe you didn't get all of the money that you wanted, but there is always that, that, that chance of that happening. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, since basically the, the beginning of the season, once the Patriots offense saw what, what they were doing basically without Gronk, uh, everybody kind of knew a tight end was something that they needed to basically either get with a trade within the season or draft. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they they continue to push really, really hard for Hooper. And I don't mean to compare Rob Gronkowski and Austin Hooper together, but I think this could be used as a big, big way to try to get Tom Brady to stay. And there's a there's you know, ever since we spoke about it um, last time we recorded, um, we were pretty much saying that there's a huge, huge chance that he ends up staying. But now there's a huge, huge chance, which we're going to continue to talk about throughout this podcast, that he does end up leaving now. Um, so I think the mm-hmm. Patriots could use that as a way. Um, to lure Tom Brady back and finally get a versatile tight end because like, obviously these wide receivers that he has currently aren't really working too great for him right now, and it's a very heavy wide receiver draft coming up. But I think we're not going to really see a decision made by Tom Brady until this new CBA has come to a new agreement, which we're going to talk about in a second. But um, I think Austin Hooper's going to get his money. And who knows, at the end of the day, in a different system – um, Austin Hooper may not be the same exact player. Who knows? Because they finally gave him a lot more um, usage this past year than they have the past other years, and we saw the potential. And why did they wait so long? We will never know. But but it could be fifty fifty. Who knows? I think Austin Hooper is very talented. I think he'll be he'll be okay with another um, contending team for sure. I think if he goes to any other teams besides like the Packers or the Patriots, are gonna have to he's gonna have to go to another contending team hoping to get a Super Bowl in order for his success level to be the same as it was this past year, but he's going to chase that money. He'll probably be, probably be one of the highest paid tight ends as soon as he gets signed yeah. along with uh, George Kittle. Those guys are looking to hit, um, you know, the market and, and that, and uh, Austin Hoopers will be in the free agent market, but I'm talking like when uh, George Kittle does get that massive extension from the Niners, um, it's going to be a big one. Um, so t- speaking about the CBA we ju- that I just mentioned a second ago, um, as soon as we <laughs> we stopped recording last week too, uh, not last week, last time we recorded as well, um, there's a new collective bargaining agreement that came out, and a lot of players are up in arms about it, and there's a lot of players who I don't think aren't as in up in arms as other players are, but um, we'll go over the details in a second. What do you know and what do you think about this new collective bargaining agreement by the NFL and what side are you on currently? Yeah, I mean, I know that there's uh, like the, the I don't know the exact numbers, but I know they're they're going to be compensated a little bit more for the extra game. Um, there's a possible change in the playoff bracket and how uh, you know that would be handled. So the number one seed is the only one that gets a buy. Uh, so it kind of heavily weighs that one number one spot. You really want that one spot now, um, not just for that home field advantage. 
Uh, but I, I mean, I, I've kind of like from what I've heard, from what I'm going through, it, it to me, listening to what the NFL has spoken um, over the past, you know, couple years in regards to you know player health, uh, concussion protocol, all of that kind of stuff. To listen to that and then to have them come up and mention about playing, you know, one more game uh, of the of the season because when you think about it, if they're going to cut short the preseason. That most of the starters aren't really playing around that time anyway, so that's kind of rest for them. Uh, so it will be an extra game for them. Um, I, I mean, I'm not obviously, you know, I'd love to watch more football. That'd be great. Um, a change would be nice. I feel like it would just be, you know, not that the league is getting boring or anything like that. It's, it's exciting every year because the, the league changes all the time. Uh, but, you know, it would be interesting to just kind of see a change, just uh, maybe like, you know, they test run it for a season, just kind of see what it, what it does. Uh, but I understand exactly why the players are not huge fans of it. Um, and that's going to go back to what I started with, where, you know, player safety has been praised from for basically the past couple of years, ever since, you know, CTE became very big and all these players, uh, that, that end up retiring and now they're, they're having brain problems and more and more are coming out. Uh, and then, you know, Aaron Hernandez recently with the documentary that came out, uh, you know, there, there's been more, obviously. Um, I, I think it just goes against everything that they're saying. So I don't quite understand um, how they could, you know, do that and say, oh, well, we're trying to help our players in the long run. I feel like, you know, what you're seeing with the NBA with this load management, I mean, I know it's not nearly as many games, but I feel like you're going to start – having some players trying to, you know, manage how much they play, and, and it might backfire in the league as well. Now, you take a look at this new collective bargaining agreement at face value um, to, like, us, like, you know, the casual fans and also podcasters that like to commentate on things going on around the NFL. You look at it like, oh, this is dope. Like, you know, you look at teams like the Rams and the Steelers who could possibly make a wild card, um, you know, appearance in instead of them being eliminated. And you're like, oh, that's a, that's a pretty solid thing to happen. But at the same time, they play an extra game. And that's a big reason why a lot of players are up in arms about it. But there's also another like 800 pages, as Pat McAfee said on his show, that we aren't aware of. So we're taking this as all at face value. So I'm sure all these other players looking at the other things, these the, – you know the NFL has in mind, and 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 the big heads in you know the NFL are looking at right now, and maybe they don't agree upon it. And what I think of this whole thing, and listen, I mentioned it before. I don't know what the other details are, other than the things you have mentioned and a couple other things I have read. But in these scenarios, you have to side with the players, and the reason I say that is because these players are the guys that are putting other people in seats to watch them and this the people it's the reason why people are tuning in on Sundays on TV to watch them play and it's like you know if, if these guys are going to be upset about it and, and I don't know what the other 2000 players in the league are going to be uh, agree upon or disagree upon when the time comes but I'll always side with the players because you know again those are the guys that are bringing people in to watch and you know the guys that are the head of everything in the NFL don't necessarily think about it that way. Maybe they do a little bit, but they're mostly thinking about the, t the type of revenue they'll be bringing in. So I'm going to read a little bit more details um, that I saw from the proposed CBA. Um, it most notably includes a provision expanding the regular season to 17 games, which a lot of people aren't fans of. I don't think I'm, I'm a fan of it too much, and I'm sure the NFL wants to sell more tickets. But um, I, I don't think that's going to benefit the players all that much. As a result, players will receive 48% of the revenue, so they will be getting more money, um, at least a little bit of it, and eventually climbing to 48.5%, which I'm sure a lot of other players are fond of as well. Paired with the projected revenue growth, it could net the players an added $5 billion total. Um, 
The new deal would also include an expanded playoff setup of 14 teams with only the top seed in each conference receiving a first-round bye, like you mentioned before. The new pre, the new postseason format would likely go into effect this upcoming season if they do agree upon it. Um, in addition to adding regular season matchup for every game with no extra buy, uh, for every team with no extra buy, the proposed CBA limits the number of international games teams play. It also reduces the number of training camp practices from 28 to 16. Um, rosters would expand to two players uh, from 53 to 55 with 48 players able to dress for games rather than the current 46. Um, practice squad sizes would rise from 10 players to 12 and eventually 14. Protecting these players um, from free agency would be easier. Um, the, minim- the minimum salary for rookies is expected to increase by $100,000 in 2020. Additionally, owners and the league are set to relax uh, the league's penalties on marijuana and put player discipline for off the field incidents in the hands of neutral uh, a neutral arbitrator rather than the commissioner Roger Goodell who currently mm-hmm. um, uh, handles all that um, and I'm sure there's more and more and more and we're gonna have to see in the upcoming days I'm not sure when these players are voting I know they postponed it the other uh, I think last week um, they I don't think they yeah. were it was supposed to be on Friday and they didn't end up doing it so we're gonna have to wait and see what exactly happens. And again, a lot of the things I read here, you might be thinking as a casual fan, like, oh, this might be great for most of the players. But you hear from guys like Aaron Rodgers, who was who was well-spoken about this whole thing on Twitter, and J.J. Watt and Richard Sherman, who is the player representative for the 49ers, who doesn't think it's a great idea. You have the Pouncey, uh, you have Pouncey uh, from the Steelers, their center, who isn't too much of a fan of it, and he's going to say no. Um, and also James Harrison also said this was the same basically the same agreement that they tried to implement back in 2011, which ended ended in a lockout. So, yeah. you know, it, it's still a little confusing to me. And, I mean, I'm not an expert on all this. And like I mentioned before, I'm sure the, these aren't the only details. These, these are just the face value details that we're seeing that could benefit the players. And these are what, you know, the NFLPA and a bunch of NFL you know, top guys are putting out there and giving to Adam Schefter and a bunch of other guys who are breaking news to make it seem like a better idea, even though some players kind of see right through that. So who knows? We're going to have to see exactly what happens. And again, at face value, this looks great for a lot of players, but to a lot of other players, they would disagree. And to top it all off, like I mentioned before, around 10, 10 times, and I'll say it over and over and over again, I'll always side with the players. And again, I don't know what the other 2,000 players are thinking right now, but the the top tier guys right now aren't feeling too great about it. Um, but, yeah, that's all I got on the CBA right now. We're going to have to see what happens in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a, uh, it's definitely an interesting proposal. Um, if it is, you know, if it is true what James Harrison said, obviously uh, we were a little bit younger at the time, so we weren't as caught up or as understanding of what was going on in the league. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, if, I just feel like, uh, as you mentioned, you know, Pouncey from the Steelers, he did mention – you did mention that he was not too fond of it, and I know he did mention in a video about how uh, you know players are making a lot more money now than they were at the time, so they have a lot more power than they did uh, in 2011. So they were saying, you know, he mentioned that the players um, they can really take this into their own, and really, you know, they can make the decision because they have more money. They're able to, I guess, you know, they're able to work through a, a holdout. I'm not really sure exactly where they were going with it. They have multiple directions. They could have been going with that phrase. Um, but, you know, it, it's true. They're making more money, and, uh, you know, people are going to – they want to see them, as you mentioned. They're the ones that are making, 
you know, putting people in the seats and all that. So it, it is very interesting. They do have a lot of leverage over the uh, over the league. Yep, so we'll monitor that as time goes on. So I want to talk about something that's going on right now, which is the NFL Combine as the draft um, is approaching. Um, the NFL Combine over the past couple of years has kind of been annoying, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna explain to you why. So it kind of started off with the whole Joe Burrow thing and the size of his hands, and we'll get into that in a second. But let's take All it back. Right. Let's take it back to last year. I'm talking like the big thing. For the combine, other than what these other guys were doing and showing off their skills to try to get drafted, people were worried about how tall Kyler Murray was going to be. Did that end up affecting him? No, because mm-hmm. he won Rookie of the Year. So it's kind of like, was that was that a big deal? And now the whole thing with Joe Burrow, is that a big deal? He doesn't seem to make it a big deal. A lot of other people are. But I wanted to talk about how the combine has been evolving. You know, you have guys that are heavy set, extremely tall, who are doing things that people wouldn't do, say, a couple years ago. And you have Clemson linebacker Isaiah Simmons, who is a high prospect in this draft and probably going to be taken in the top five. He ran a 4.39 on his first 40 attempt. And the dude's a heavy set guy, and he is a linebacker. He ran faster than Saquon Barkley, who <laughs> is extremely fast for a running back. And on top of that, um, you have Alabama wide receiver Henry Ruggs III with a, with a 4.28 uh, – 40 on his first attempt which now puts him in the top five um in 40s of all time and then you have the oklahoma wide receiver cd lamb he runs a 4.51 on his first attempt a lot of people would say that's pretty slow for a wide receiver but who is anyone to say anything there's guys in suits that haven't ran a 40 in their entire life and besides rich eisen who does it every single year but other than (laughs) that there's who are these guys to say anything maybe scouts could say something but jerry rice he ran a slow 40, but he's one of the best wide receivers of all time. So Alabama wide receiver Jerry Judy, uh, he ran a 4.56 on his first attempt, which is a pretty good time for a wide receiver. And most notably, 6'7 and 364 pounds um, offensive lineman Mekhi Becton ran a 5.11 unofficial on his 40-yard dash. He's expected to be a number five overall prospect. This This is a lineman here. They have no business running downfield at all. They're not even allowed to, so it makes no sense at all. But these guys are evolving, and I'm sure as the years come around, I'm sure uh, the, the the list for the fastest 40s in terms of positions are going to be all over the place. But my question to you is, after mentioning all these 40 times, is it important to be fast as a wide receiver? And I think for a guy like Isaiah Simmons, that definitely benefits him because he plays like 17 positions. But – for guys like Henry Ruggs and C- and you know C.D. Lamb not running as fast and you know Jerry Judy who's who's considered a very a top prospect as well, you take a look at the forty list and you have guys like John Ross, Marquise Goodwin, and a bunch of other guys as well. I'm not going to read the list or anything right now. I don't have it in front of me. Maybe I'll pull it up in a second. But it's like those guys aren't considered to be the top tier wide receivers in the league at the moment you know what i mean so is it an important thing to be fast in the combine should the 40 be a significant thing that people should be looking at for the draft and it is very important for wide receivers and guys who can run but it's like is that gonna help you in the nfl as much as people think yeah i mean i don't think i'm not a huge fan of thinking you know the combine how you perform transfers over into the league uh, because, I I mean, you could find any player right now that you think is elite, and they've proven themselves in the league, and I guarantee if you go back and look at their combine, scouts were saying this is wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong, and now, you know, they could have completely 
change that or, you know, it's like, how could they even say that after watching how they've played? Uh, so I'm not a huge fan of the combine. I mean, I think it's great to kind of watch, like in, in terms of the 40, like you were saying with wide receivers, do they have to be fast? Um, I think, you know, if they have different qualities, so if you're a smaller guy, you know, so like a Tyreek Hill, for example, you know, I know we mentioned him. Um, in terms of receivers in the league, I, I know he is on the smaller side. Uh, so he has that speed, and I feel like, you know, that kind of complements or that kind of makes up for him not having that height so he can outrun his guys. But I feel like if you have a guy coming in that's like 6'3", and he has a little bit of weight to him, he doesn't have to be running a 4'2". No, four, he's got to get open. Like if he runs a, Exactly. So I feel like if he runs a four 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 five, like that's okay. So I feel like it's all situational. You know, like if if somebody is is uh, is very thin and, and they're like that, that's how they're going to get open. You figure, oh, you're a thin guy. You're not very bulky. Uh, you're probably going to have to outrun your your competition. That's how you're really going to make your catches. Um, then yeah, I'd be a little bit worried. But I feel like in order to be a great receiver in this league, you don't have to be the fastest guy on the field. You just have to be. The, I mean, in terms of route running, I think you have to run the best routes, and that doesn't always equate to, to being the fastest guy that you know could just be the best uh, footwork or, or the best uh, fakes, whatever you want to say. And I, for some reason, this came to mind, and I, t- I 100% agree with you. But the thing that comes to mind for me is like I think a guy, I think about a guy like Adam Thielen, who who this past year who who did succumb to some injuries, but the year prior to that, this dude was just getting open. He wasn't like extremely fast, and he is fast. But he was just getting open. Mm-hmm. He was finding ways to catch the ball in open space so that Kirk Cousins can get him the ball, and that's exactly what he did. And if a wide receiver can do that, and you know, people are going to look back on C.D. Lamb's forty and not even think and barely even think about it because he's probably going to be a guy that's going to get wide open. And if you're athletic and you can get the ball, yeah, you'll be good. But going back to the whole Isaiah Simmons thing, I think it's good for a guy like him as a linebacker because th- those guys have to run sideline to sideline, and especially since he's you know trying to play for a team that will use him in in many positions that he's able to play. Um, he stands at six foot three and five eighths. He's taller than DK Metcalf, who was six three and three eighths. He's two hundred thirty eight pounds. He's heavier than Roquan Smith, who was two hundred and thirty six pounds. He ran a four point three nine forty yard dash, faster than Devin Hester ran a four four three. Um, he had a thirty nine inch vertical jump that he jumped higher than Julio Jones who was thir- who jumped a thirty eight and a half. Um, he had an 11, um, 11 foot broad jump, uh, more explosive than Alvin Kamara, um, who was at a 10, 11. So just barely passed him. So that, that should be good for guys like him. Mm-hmm. But in terms of wide receivers, like you mentioned before, I think you hit the nail on the head where it's like, if you can just get open and, you know, you could break, you could have breakaway speed. Like, I think it, it's, I think the 40 yard dash in, in over the next decade is, is more going to be looked at as an entertainment thing because you want to see like offensive linemen see how fast they can run or guys who are extremely heavy like Isaiah Simmons who could run faster than guys who are less heavy and and, run, and play running back or wide receiver. It, it's more of an entertainment standpoint. But in terms of actual skill, I don't think it's going to translate to where should they where they should get drafted or if their stock should fall just based on a forty yard dash. You know what I mean? I think it's just the most entertaining for people to watch in general. Because that's what's all over Twitter right now. You're not watching people do cone drills or anything like that. And I think the only person to get criticized by it in this past year was DK Metcalf. And does it matter? No. He runs extremely fast and he's extremely jacked and he works on the system he's in. And I think that's the case for a lot of these other wide receivers as well. If that can work out in the favor for those guys too. Listen, DK Metcalf, just because of the cone drill alone and how how much people make a big deal about some of the drills 
in the in um, the NFL Combine and made him drop to the second round. He was looking, he was being looked at as a first round pick, possibly being taken by the Packers. And you, and I don't know if you saw the clip of when he was when uh, he first picked up the phone from Pete Carroll saying he was going to get drafted in the second round. He was extremely excited about it, and he but also at the same time very upset because like how do you let a guy what do you, how do you let a guy like me drop? You know I'm very talented. You know I I'm built like like a bodybuilder and I'm a wide receiver. So it's like, you know, do, do these drills somewhat matter? Sure. But I think they're more for entertainment. They're going to be more for entertainment purposes in this next decade for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, you did bring up an interesting point uh, with Isaiah Simmons, with the whole linebacking situation. Um, and then everybody else is, you know, running fast. And it just goes to show, I mean, I, in my opinion, I think um, a linebacker running, pretty fast. I mean, that's very fast, especially for a linebacker. Uh, but I feel like as a, as a linebacker, some of your duties is going to be to cover a running back. So as you mentioned, he run, he ran faster than Saquon Barkley. Um, if he's able to run faster than Saquon Barkley, that means he's able to keep up with Saquon Barkley, meaning he can cover him. Um, so that's why I think as a linebacker, you know, that's a great, great kind of quality to have. Uh, but I feel like, again, for a receiver, it just doesn't – I don't think it weighs as much. And I don't know if you saw this. And, again, I'm sure this 40 was – he was very dependent on this 40 and running a fast time because, listen, when he was asked um, what position he play, he uh, what position he plays, he just said defense. Like, that's all he said. Because last <laughs> season he lined up at, all, at outside linebacker, inside linebacker, middle linebacker, cornerback, safety, and defensive end. That's a guy you want to run a solid 40 because if he can't – run a solid 40, you're not going to put him at these other positions because he's looking for a team that's going to want to play him in all these positions and find success out of it. A lot of people are, are looking at the New York Giants, but you know there's a lot, a lot of other rumors going around in the draft that things may be moved around and they could still land Chase Young somehow, some way. But if, they, if you do land on a guy like Isaiah Simmons, looking at his 40 time and maybe his other, his other drills, that's going to work out in his favor. So again, for wide receivers, that doesn't necessarily translate to success in the NFL. Anyway, um, more on the NFL Combine, but more to the ridiculous aspect of it. Like I mentioned before, Joe Burrow, they were saying how his hand size was way too small, and Jake Fromm even had smaller, smaller hands. And people don't think that's going to be that's going to be a, people think it's going to be a problem when he goes into the NFL. I absolutely think it's ridiculous. First of all, they measure it different in the NFL than they do in the NBA. In the NBA, again, yes, those guys are going to have bigger hands because they play basketball, and uh, you know they're they're much much taller and everything like that. But they measure from, I think, the bottom of the palm to the top of the middle finger, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But for the NFL, they go from top of the pinky um, across over to the top of the thumb. Um, what did you think when you first heard this news? And what did you think when he initially when he uh, reacted to it, saying he's considering retirement after <laughs> finding out <laughs> that uh, his little hands aren't going to work in the NFL? I really couldn't care that that he had small hands and really in my eyes I don't I don't care that doesn't need to be a headline in my opinion um I I was just like okay like when I got when I saw it he had small hands I was like okay great and then yeah when he when he sent out that tweet it, it was really funny I got a kick out of that tweet I mean but it goes to show you it's true I mean he's making a joke out of it but it's true the, these scouts and everybody else they make so, such sometimes such like weird or unnecessary headlines um, about about some things, you know, that don't need to be made. As you mentioned with Kyler Murray, his height was basically, you know, it was, it was the talk of the draft. Oh, is he going to be measured at this height or that height? And, and if he's measured shorter, then he's never going to make it. I mean, it, it, it doesn't, I don't think it matters that much. I mean, 
you're taking away now from the ability and you're just trying to, to say, oh, they have a handicap because of this or this or this. I mean, look at, uh, what was it, Shaquem Griffin? He, he doesn't even have a hand and he's, he's making it in the league. So if you're going to say that someone that has small hands, I know it's a very different position, yeah. but if you're going to sit here and, and, and make a whole deal about, you know, oh, somebody has small hands or, you know, they're not tall enough or, or they're not strong enough, they're not big enough, I just... I don't think that, that you can make that valid argument until you actually see them play. You know, you've seen them play in college, and, and maybe that's not that great of how it's going to translate into the NFL. But I think that before you start really mentioning anything, maybe if the season comes along and Joe Burrow's fumbling the ball a lot, it's getting knocked out, oh, he has smaller hands. Maybe that's an argument. But right now it has no play in why he shouldn't be drafted with the top draft pick or, you know, top two. Yeah, it's absolutely being, you know, blown up for no reason but Joe Burrow you saw exactly what he did in college and how ready he is for the NFL and he went from a guy who couldn't find a starting job and like when he was in Ohio State and he ended up going to a place like LSU where he wasn't guaranteed a starting spot either and he ends up finding his home and he took he he made the most of it and he's considered one of the guys to be the most ready out of any other quarterback in that draft. He was considered to be the number 1 draft pick going to the Bengals for a very very long time now. Is that going to change the way people think of how he plays? I don't necessarily think so. I would hope not. I mean, having 9-inch hands is is like it's whatever. You saw exactly what he did in college and again, it may not translate to the NFL, but I think he's going to be okay. I think it's definitely been blown out of proportion. I'm glad he's making a big joke of it instead of taking it um taking it hard again it's just weird that you know guys like Kyler Murray who were like let's hope he 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 you know gets measured at 5'11 or else he's not making it in this league it's just Mm -hmm. it it makes no sense to me at all um but then the whole Joe Burrow thing as well that's just the icing on the cake and again this is just going to happen each and every year uh, for a lot of players and who knows maybe like you said before maybe he does fumble in the NFL whatever you have guys like Daniel Jones who still had a pretty solid season and didn't even start the first 3 games and had the same amount of touchdowns as Tom Brady and a bunch of other, and a bunch of other quarterbacks i think like one more interception or one less interception than Sam Darnold and he fumbles like crazy and he and his measurables are probably 100 like way way different than Joe Burrow's was so Honestly, there should be no worry on Joe Burrow's end at all. I'm sure he's not. He's ready to play in the NFL, and I'm excited to see him in a Bengals uniform, which was um, speculation in the past. But he did come out and say that if he does get drafted, he will be playing, so he won't be sitting out. Um, And to kind of do a little bit more housekeeping on the combine before I move on here, because I missed it, um, did you see Arizona State punter Michael Turk? He did 25 reps on the bench press uh, for uh, 225. Again, another combine thing where I think guys are just sitting at home and benching as much as they can so that they can clock in at dope numbers. And it's like, what does a punter need to be doing 25 reps for on the bench press? <laughs> he doesn't need it. It doesn't, makes no sense at all. No, not at all. Um, and another- I, I saw um, yeah, I saw on Twitter, though, Pat McAfee was going crazy because you know his whole thing where he's like all for the brand. Yeah. And he's all for punters, obviously. He was going crazy about how uh, yeah he, he was doing uh, 25 or whatever reps. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was funny. I mean, that, it, it is impressive. It's one of those things where, uh, as you mentioned, you know, some parts of the combine it's just fun to uh, to watch what happens because in that, like you know, mentioned offensive linemen, they're, they're running fast times, and you're not really expecting that of them. And same thing with this or the punter, you're not expecting them to really bench a lot of uh, a lot of reps. And hey, I mean, good for him. I mean, I don't know how much that's really going to translate into his success, but hey. He has a great memory. One last thing that was absolutely insane, Notre Dame wide receiver Chase Claypool 
Um, he's 6'4", 238 pounds. He ran an unofficial 4.45 on his first attempt. Since 2003, only two wide receivers at the Combine have measured at least 6'4", and weighed 235 pounds or more, um, and ran under a 4.45. Can you name those two wide receivers? I don't know. Is Megatron on there? Megatron's number one. Who would be number two? Number two. Taller than – he said, what, 6'4"? Uh yeah, six four. Uh was Randy Moss up there? No, it's actually him. Chase Claypool was number two. So <laughs> he he so wow. it's Calvin Johnson and him, Chase Claypool. So that's absolutely uh phenomenal measurables in terms of uh what his forty came out to. But that's absolutely insane. And uh kudos to you for getting the Calvin Johnson thing. I'm sure a lot of people would get that as well, because not a lot of wide receivers are that big, but you know, good for him. Go hope he goes to a good team and I've been waiting to see a guy with the measurables of Calvin Johnson, well, uh, Megatron, to perform as well as he did. So we'll have to see. Well, something that I read up on, um, I mean, there's like millions of mock drafts getting posted every like hour. Uh, but, but a couple of them that I saw is, is the Falcons, they said, were, could possibly draft him and try to use him as a tight end. I did see that. And I think a lot of other teams would probably want to convert him to a tight end as well. That's He does have the size for that. Um, but who knows? You know, like like we said, Megatron did end up excelling in his position, mm-hmm. and I, not to compare him to Megatron or anything, but we ha- that's something you haven't seen in a while. So why not continue to try it? And you could always convert him later on. Who knows? Um, how often do players of the combine end up switching positions? I would assume not very often. I feel like that's something that's very difficult to do. Yeah, it's always thrown around. Like- but like, how many players actually switch? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think it, it's not very easy. I mean, even if you think about, you know, from going from a corner to a safety and you figure, oh, that can't be that much of a transition, it's still a very big transition. And, and you could be a really great corner and be a really bad safety. I mean, they, they're very similar in, in terms of, you know, they're, they're in the secondary of a, of a defense, but they're not nearly the same the way you would play. Um, and most people look at it as, oh, man, it, it's just like, you know, it, it's very similar. Even something as small as that, I feel like, is a hard transition. So if, if you're going to try to transition players, like I know, as you mentioned, you know, with um, Isaiah Simmons, I think you said it was, um, he's played basically almost, almost every position on defense. So it's going to be very hard. You can't be having him bouncing around. You're really going to have to specialize him in a spot, face the combine, I guess. You kind of see what his specialties were um, and kind of watch his tape and say, okay, this is where we're going to start him, and you have to play him there. You can't really bounce these guys around because it it just it's too hard. So one or two more things, and then we'll take a short break, and we'll come back and wrap this whole thing up. Again, still a lot of things to cover. Um, but according to NFL Insider Jeff Darlington, Tom Brady is expected to sign elsewhere. Julian Edelman did tease that he will return at a Syracuse game when he was courtside alongside yeah, I saw that. Um, when Julian Edelman was with Tom Brady and also Jimmy Fallon for some reason. But um, – <laughs> Now, uh, these are becoming more prominent, the rumors that he's leaving. Um, it still could be another thing where he enjoys the attention, but I, I really, really don't know. Because Tom Brady, during that you know whole thing on camera with Julian Edelman, who doesn't have a beard, which looks completely weird. I, I didn't even look like him yeah, when I first it, saw him. Um, yeah. But he was saying that he's coming back, and then Tom Brady didn't really look too pleased with how he said that. But I, like, I heard this on part of my take, and they pretty much said that Julian Edelman's kind of like a little brother to Tom Brady. Tom Brady has never had like a big brother in this league because he's worked from the bottom up and he's always been known as the dude. So it's kind of like maybe he's it's just teasing a little bit and he gets annoyed about it. But I, I, I don't know, man. Um, I don't know what to think anymore, whether he's leaving or not. But if J- Jeff Tarlington is 
a pretty notable insider for ESPN and the NFL. Um, over the past you know week or so, now that these reports are, are becoming more prominent, do you actually think he's going to leave, or do you still think there's a chance he stays? I uh, it's it's a tough thing to say. I mean, I know he's not going to come out and say, "Oh, I'm staying" or "Oh, I'm leaving," because I mean, he just wouldn't do that. And I, you know, I'm I'm not sure if he entirely knows what he's going to do yet. I think uh, he's but, waiting but I, on the CBA to be officially like agreed upon before making a move because salary caps could be moved around and everything. Yeah, but I mean, um, one quick point before I answer that the interesting point was that while they were uh, Julian Edelman and Brady were at that Syracuse UNC game they were FaceTiming with Mike Vrabel I, I don't know why I'm not saying he's going to the Titans but that uh, it was just interesting um, and then moving forward I mean I don't again we've talked about the quarterback market I mean obviously he's Tom Brady if, if a team wants him they're, they're going to make him the priority over a draft pick um, you know or maybe picking up someone in free agency, but other than him, uh, but I don't know. I, I just, I can't, I can't come to the, to the idea that he's going to be leaving. I just, I can't do it. I can't either, but it could possibly happen. So who knows? But so another thing here, bears are expected to add veteran quarterback, uh, add a veteran quarterback to their roster to push Mr. Bisky for the starting job. Um, names include, uh, most prominently, Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton is also emerged yeah, as a quarterback that the Patriots could possibly be looking for if Tom Brady does decide to leave. Um, first, what do you think of the Bears adding a guy like Andy Dalton to the roster and competing with Mitch Trubisky? Do you think he'll fit, or do you think it's just another case of we know what Andy Dalton is like, um, but maybe you know a different franchise and a different location could possibly help him, or is he just the same old Andy Dalton we've always known? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, um, very similar to what I mentioned earlier on with the Jaguars, where they're going out and kind of hoping, and, and if it doesn't pay off, you know, it's a big risk to take. I think with Andy Dalton, I think, you know, I don't think they're going to throw that kind of money at him. But I think trying to go out there and, and hope that he's going to be, you know, a little bit different, it, it is a risk. He's been in the league a little while. He kind of uh, is in his own ways. You know, he has a specific play style. It's going to be very hard to change from that now. Um, I know, you know, he hasn't always had the greatest team surrounding him, which, you know, you can't knock him for that. Uh, that's not all his fault. But I would just be surprised because in my eyes, Mitch Trubisky and Andy Dalton, they're, they're not, you know, very far off of each other in terms of what I would look at them in terms of, you know, quarterback ratings or, or grades or, or talent, whatever the case may be. I don't look at Andy Dalton as, you know, a huge upgrade or a chance of like, oh, well, Mitch Trubisky is going to fight with him and, and, you know, oh, if, you know, Mitch Trubisky loses, you know, they're in a great position. I still don't think they're in a great position, even if Andy Dalton wins that battle, if they if that does happen. Yeah, we're going to have to see how that does come into play. Um, I honestly like pushing uh, Mitch Trubisky a little bit, considering where he's at at this point in his career and seeing, a, you know, a guy that was in the same exact draft and another guy who was in the same draft and guys like Deshaun Watson – and Pat Mahomes, and one of them did win a Super Bowl this past year in Pat Mahomes with the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's like, we traded up one spot to get you. What's the value we're going to get out of you? We haven't seen it yet. And these other guys that we passed up on that we could have on this team, we probably could have won a Super Bowl by now. So I think bringing someone else in to try to push him I think will be good. Uh, I do see the talent there, but more often, more likely than not, um, I don't think he's going to be their long-term you know, 
their long-term security for the future. I just, I, I really don't have much of, I don't have much of an opinion on Mitch Trubisky because it's like, yeah, you can poke fun of him and say he sucks like a lot of these other guys around the league, but it's like, you know, what exactly does he need to improve on? You know, his defense did carry him for a very long time and their offense has okay wide receivers and they have an, they have an okay backfield, but it's like, you know, I don't know how much more you can get you can get help for him. So maybe there's just some internal things he has to fix, and maybe we'll see that happen in this upcoming year if they get a guy like Andy Dalton. And then there there was also names floating around like Cam Newton, but it looks to me, and we didn't report this yet, but the Panthers uh, want to bring back Cam Newton um, to mm-hmm. be their to be their quarterback, which is a good thing. Um, but yeah, so I think right now we take a short break. We come back. It's going to be franchise tag season because a lot of these guys are getting tagged. And by the time the new league year comes around, it's going to be an absolute frenzy. So stick around. Don't go away. We'll be back after these messages. If you're like me, then every Saturday in the fall is the best day of the week for you. There's nothing like waking up, turning on the TV, and getting ready for a whole day of college football action. Whether you're watching from the stadium or from the couch that day, there's still nothing like the excitement that builds as you wait for your favorite team to take the field. The problem, though, is that for most, this excitement only comes on Saturdays. Here at the Flagship Football Show, we think every day should be College Football Saturday. That's why the Flagship team works all week to bring you the best recaps, previews, interviews, topics, and discussions on all things Ole Miss football. Tune in every Wednesday for our new episode on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and follow us on Twitter at FlagshipFBShow and on Facebook at The Flagship Football Show to keep up with all our coverage. And remember to stay with us every single Wednesday all year as we bring you everything you need to know about the flagship university in Mississippi on the flagship football show. Hey, Husker fans, Justin here. Come join me and the cousins, Derek and Tyler, each week on the Husker CuzCast as we cover all things Nebraska football and more. During the season, look for our entertaining analysis, insight, and debates as we recap each Husker game and preview the next one. We also make picks on the week's biggest college football games, and then each of us gives you our bet of the weekend and mock each other endlessly when one of us gets it wrong. Be sure to follow the Husker CuzCast on Twitter, at Husker CuzCast. And look for our episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and BigHeadsMedia.com. Go Big Red. All right, we're back, and we're going to go over the rest of the news that's going on around the league. And I don't think I'm even halfway past this list, Chris, so we got a lot to talk about here. So let's jump right back into it. (laughs) Cowboys reopen talks for a new deal with Dak Prescott. Still possible he does get the franchise tag. I think more likely than not, he does get the tag. They are fifth in the league in terms of uh, um, where they are in salary cap, so there is money there, um, but it, it seems as though if he does get tagged, he's not going to show up to camp, and, and I think Dak Prescott, and I, I heard this on Get Up this morning, that he's probably in the best position out of any quarterback who's looking to get a new contract at this point in time, and the reason why is because he just get, he just got a new head coach. Um, and having a new head coach, you want to build that rapport and you want to get accumulated to to each other and what exactly you want to see from each other. So it's like if he's not going to show up to camp, that's going to be a, a big, big issue. So I feel like as of right now, he's in the driver's seat. Who knows if he gets $40 million per year like he wants to. But I think more likely than not, he does come to terms on a deal. But if a franchise tag is placed, 
he will come back by the time the season starts, so they may get off to a rocky start, and that's where a lot of Cowboys haters will come in and, and start bashing him. But what do you think is going to happen here? Because I think this is a very interesting um, thing here. And before before you mention anything, we did have a video on this on our YouTube channel a little while back. It's one of our first videos that we had a little while ago. And we were talking about you know how it was going to hurt their cap and everything. But now they actually free up a lot of space, and they have a new head coach who knows exactly what's going to happen. So what do you think of this whole scenario here? Yeah, what was interesting is it was reported a little while back that I think he was offered around like 33 or something like that, somewhere in that range, uh, 33-something or somewhere around there, a year uh, contract, and he did end up turning that down. Um, You know, I think it was before the season when that was offered or very early on to the season last year. And honestly, looking at the way things have played out, um, not even just counting the franchise, tag possibility but also the um the, the performance he's had every like he's been a little shaky at times uh the, the common theme of the past year for the cowboys was you know they could beat the teams that they had to be and then when it came to the better teams they couldn't win um i, I mean i think with him if he was making like 33 or 34 million dollars a year if he ended up getting that contract i personally think he would have benefited because i don't think he's even worth that in my opinion I don't think he's worth – I think $40 million should be way out of the picture. I don't think he should be anywhere near that. Uh, but I think, you know, $33, 34000000 million, I think that was a, a very generous offer in terms of the Cowboys. And the fact that he turned that down is, is shocking. Because at the time, um, it, it might have been in his eyes, he might have thought, oh, well, I'm better than that. Um, you know, I, I don't want that much – I want more money. Uh, but I think if he had signed that deal, I think he actually would have been coming out on top if he had done that. Because, I, I mean, again – He's still young. He still has a lot of time to improve and then, you know, do all these other things. But I don't think that he's worth anywhere near $40 million. Sure, you could say that, but it's kind of like the next guy up kind of thing. So it's like, you know, the guy after him may not even be as as worth it as he is getting this money. But like I mentioned to you before, he's in a great position because he has a new head coach. And the other thing is, he also doesn't miss time. And you'd rather have a guy whose best ability is availability than a guy who's always hurt and is seeking that same amount of money. And it's like, why should I pay you if you're not going to – you know, you know, stay healthy and, you know, provide for us because it's like, we, you know, mm-hmm. they could possibly be going into training camp with, with a guy like Cooper Rush and then they're not going to have, you know, Dak Prescott going into the year. Luckily, they did keep their offensive coordinator so they don't have to start exactly from scratch. They still have Kellen Moore, um, who I think has a lot of potential as an offensive coordinator as, as seen last year. Um, but the thing is, man, it's just like that I've never seen this type of scenario before and how – how much of an advantage he does have on the Cowboys organization. So we'll have to see what happens. I still do very much see him getting tagged and then the possibility of him not showing up to camp at all. So we'll have to see what exactly happens um, in that scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's see what else I have here. Hold on. So I did miss a lot. Hold on. I just kind of jumped the gun on my list here. Um, So another thing that came out recently is that Jerry Jones is thinking about re-signing Des Bryant. What did you think about about that when you first heard it? I did see that. I mean, I honestly, I would be all for that. I mean, I say, I thought when they got rid of him in the first place, I thought, honestly, he was going to be picked up. He was going to be playing somewhere. And I was honestly shocked that he wasn't. Uh, so, so knowing that he hasn't been, I know he, he had a, he got signed by the saints um, a little bit after that whole process. And then he ended up, I think tearing his Achilles or something. So obviously he never got to play for them. Um, but I, I, I think he's been a relatively respectable receiver. You know, I don't, in my opinion, he was never one of the top 
five, top ten receivers in the league. Uh, but he's always been able to perform for the Cowboys. So, you know, I, I have a level of respect in that sense that, you know, he's, he's always going out there and performing well. Um, I would like to see him make a comeback. I think he could still make it in the league. Um, he might not be one of the best receivers out there, but I think for especially with the way that this team is right now, especially next to uh, Amari Cooper, as long as, you know, that, that works out, I, I think that could be a pretty interesting um, – I think that will be a very interesting – duo and i think that would also help dak prescott in terms of if he wants that contract because i think adding another big guy like that will make him perform at a better level as well yeah i mean i don't have much thought about it we're actually gonna have to see what happens with that because you know des bryant has been in talks with a bunch of teams are probably coming back and then the only the only thing that's come close to him actually playing an nfl game was him signing with the saints which didn't end up working out because he tore his achilles before actually playing a game in their playoff push um but, you know, it, it is just talk, so I, I don't want to waste too much time talking about it. But we'll see. I, st- I still think, as you mentioned before, Des Bryant has a lot of potential in the league. And he has a lot to offer. And he has been training for a very long time, so his, his Achilles should be healed um, by now. So we'll have to see when, if Jerry Jones does expand on that. Again, money has to be spent elsewhere on a guy like Dak Prescott before. He should be thinking about signing a guy like Des Bryant, who could, he could probably get at a lower value than he did before. Um, but Cowboys oh, yeah. are but the Cowboys are also um, meeting with Amari Cooper to discuss a new deal, and I I do and they did spend a first round pick on him, so I feel like this is more likely than not going to end up in a contract extension for Amari Cooper. And talk about a team that has to spend a lot a lot of money, but their cap room is looking pretty pretty solid right now, uh, to my surprise. Um, I, th- I think their best option right here, if they are looking to extend Dak Prescott, and I think a way to lure him back in and maybe take less money is by signing Amari Cooper. Because before that, he didn't have the help. He didn't have much help. You bring in Amari Cooper, it looked like a different team. So, um, what do you think of him getting a new deal with the Cowboys? Yeah, I mean, I, as you mentioned with the whole first round pick, it would be pointless for them to not bring him back if you just gave up a first round pick for him to play. Uh, the amount of time he's played, which is not much, in my opinion, that wasn't worth it. I mean, you shouldn't have given up a first-round pick or you wouldn't, shouldn't have even bothered. Uh, so I think he will be getting a contract pretty soon. Um, I think, you know, he might be getting it before Dak. As we mentioned, you know, Dak is probably going to get franchise tagged, whether that's something he likes or not. Uh, but the other thing that I, ha- I did want to mention, I'm not sure if you knew about this, but this is something well on the topic of the Cowboys, is that there were – I know this is a big guy. He was playing well. Cowboys fans weren't a huge fan when they drafted him. But Leighton Vander Esch, there's apparently been some issues with him and his injury. Uh, he was out most of the year last year. Uh, they, they're saying that it could be a little bit more serious than they thought. Um, so, so Dallas fans are a little worried about that as well. Um, I did know about that, and he did miss significant time with that, and he is very talented, so I do hope he stays healthy. But it's like they still have him on the rookie deal. I don't think they have to worry about it that much. I think they're worried about just getting him back up and ready to go, mm-hmm. uh, up and ready to go this this upcoming season. Because listen, he's gonna have to have a lot of weight on his shoulders, um, especially that now he's losing um, Byron Jones and Sean Lee um, this yeah. off season. So it's like you know we're gonna have to see who fills that void and how Van Der Esch is going to be. Um, you know, playing with the other person beside him. So we'll have to see. Um, but that's definitely not a great thing to hear for the Cowboys, for a guy who's so, so talented and had a phenomenal rookie year when he did play. So it's unfortunate for sure. Yeah. Um, Another thing with the Cowboys, and I have like 
so many things on the Cowboys right now because they have so much money to spend. They're prioritizing a new deal for Robert Quinn. Again, the Cowboys have $77 million in cap space, which makes them fifth most in the league. So they do have some money to spend, and I'll mention that over and over and over again. Um, Robert Quinn had a pretty, pretty good year last year, and, and to my surprise, every other report is like they're opening talks with a new deal with Amari Cooper, opening new, opening new talks with Dak Prescott and other guys too, and maybe a potential deal with Des Bryant if, he, if uh, Jerry Jones does decide to re-sign him, but the one report that came out was that the Cowboys are prioritizing a new deal with Robert Quinn, so th th this is like top of the list for them right now. That's pretty funny to hear. I mean, not to say that he's not a good player, but when you hear the other contracts, you would figure that they would be a little bit more of a priority over Robert Quinn's. And this is funny. It's funny to to hear that that's where the priority is. Um, I mean, I don't know if that says that they're worried that, you know, he's going to walk opposed to Amari Cooper or Dak. Uh, they feel a little bit more secure with them. I don't know if that's what that means, but, yeah, that that is interesting. Um, So, so. Uh, and another thing on the Cowboys, and – he hasn't been on the Cowboys in years. But Tony Romo, like we mentioned before, signs a deal <laughs> with CBS that will pay him $17 million a year, and this could potentially be um, a very, very long-term deal, maybe almost 10 years. Um, so this is a lot, a lot of money. And Michael Thomas and Jeremy Hill have been outspoken about this um, and saying that they're making he's making more money than half the league, which is absolutely ridiculous because, again, the players are about the players and they're the guys that are putting people in seats and making sure people tune in on Sundays because they're the ones playing. And a guy like Tony Romo who should be able to get the bag and he should do whatever he wants because he's getting way more paid than he did when he was actually a starting quarterback for the Cowboys. And... The reason he's getting that much money is because other networks, like I think, I think it was uh, ESPN, and I'm not sure what the other network yeah, was, were, throw, were tossing money at him, and CBS had to <laughs> shut them up and give and give him a brand new deal as his contract was expiring. Um, what do you think of him making more money than a lot of players in the league right now? Is that a bad thing, or is it kind of just like this is a business standpoint? I honestly, I think it's a business standpoint. I think, as you mentioned, you know, ESPN was one of the big guys and another big company that would be able to throw money at him. Um, but honestly, I think this is more beneficial for the NFL if this is a long-term deal in the long run because I know many people have complained, and we've complained as well, uh, with you know hearing some of the commentators, especially Monday night, and that's why I think ESPN was trying to really get Tony Romo. Uh, but some of these commentators as of recently have just not been great, and it makes watching the game just not enjoyable. So I feel like the, the NFL, this helps the NFL out as well because by having him broadcasting some of these games, you know, having him around knowing he's going to be around for a while, uh, that, that, you know, he, he does, he's exciting to listen to. He, he's at least interesting. He, he has some good insights and good knowledge. Um, so I think he's benefiting the, the league as well. Uh, but you also have to realize that this is a, this is a, a, a station that is, is offering him this money. It's not all just, you know, the NFL that's going to come in and pay him. So to sit here and say, oh, well, why is he getting so much money um, and we don't get that much money? It's not entirely funded by them. So I, I get why they would be frustrated, but it's not, uh, in my opinion, it's, it's not, you know, entirely like they're, they're now not able to play, pay players because they're paying him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so another thing here, and speaking of ESPN, as soon as ESPN did not close a deal with um, Tony Romo, they immediately started making big offers to Peyton Manning to take the Monday Night Football job. Mm -hmm. So he will probably, if he does take the deal, and I'm sure they'll be in talks for a little while, I'm sure Peyton Manning's not going to jump to a deal right away, but um, 
It could be Joe Tessitore and Peyton Manning in the booth instead of Booger McFarlane, and I'm sure they're not going to move on from Booger McFarlane as quickly as you think. They're still going to have him probably as a sideline reporter somewhere, so looks to me he's not going anywhere. But what do you think of that tag team duo and Joe Tessitore and Peyton Manning being on Monday Night Football? Because Peyton Manning did say he did not want he, he did not want to take that job um, a while ago when they first initially offered it until his brother was out of the league. And I did hear other – because he didn't want to criticize him, and I heard other reports he didn't want to do it until Tom Brady was out. It looks like Tom Brady's clock's running out, especially if he does move on to another team. So um, what do you think of him potentially joining uh, the ESPN crew for Monday nights? Yeah, I mean, I think it would be a great fit. Uh, similar to Romo, I know that they played the same position. Uh, but similar to Romo, I think Peyton is just one of those guys that has really great insight of the game. And throughout the week, you know, obviously he was keeping up, especially with his brother, up until, you know, the end of this season, retiring. So he obviously has a lot. He has – he has great humor, great personality. You can see that in multiple commercials that he's been a part of. Um, but I, I think it would be a great fit. And as you mentioned, you know, I think Booger McFarlane will still stick around because, to be 100% honest, he wasn't supposed to be in the role he's in right now. The ESPN kind of got screwed because last second Jason Witten decided he was going to go play, and they didn't really have any time to offer anybody that job. And he was really the sideline reporter, and they figured, all right, let's just bring him in and, and forget the whole sideline reporter because – People were also complaining about him being on that card, saying they couldn't see the game. Uh, so I guess, you know, it kind of benefited them because they figured out oh, we got someone in and people aren't going to be complaining anymore. Uh, but we all kind of saw how that ended up. Um, so I, I think they definitely need a change. Peyton Manning would be a great fit. Uh, if not, they still need to find somebody, in my opinion. I, I think they need to, to figure this one out. I don't think Booger McFarlane is the uh, the long term answer for them. I think it would be absolutely great Peyton Manning up in the booth there, and I know, like you mentioned before, and like I mentioned, that they're probably gonna keep Booger McFarlane in some shape or form because I'm sure he has a a long standing contract with ESPN right now. But you know who I think would be great in the booth for Monday nights if you know maybe he did retire this year, but he will be coming back, which I am excited for. But if Peyton Manning does end up saying no somehow, some way, which I don't see happening. Imagine a guy right after retirement and Drew Brees going up in the booth on Monday nights, a Monday night football legend, broken records on both for passing yards and passing touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And imagine him in the booth of Joe Tessitore just going back and forth and talking about football. I think those guys would be absolutely great too. Oh, yeah. I think he would be a pretty good commentator as well. Um, as you mentioned, you know, he's coming back. So if uh, the only way that that would probably happen, or theoretically the only way it could happen is if, uh, you know, Peyton draws this out, decides he doesn't want to do it, and they stick with Booker because they don't have time again, and, and then they go through the whole loop again next year. Uh, it's the only way I could see them if Drew Brees next year retires. Uh, it's the only way. But, yeah, that would be interesting. I think he would be pretty good at the role as well. So back to actual football, talking about the Packers for a second, and we did mention you know Austin Hooper um, and how the Packers are going to make a strong push for him. But in terms of guys they already have in-house, uh, Packers and Aaron Jones have mutual interest in a contract extension. He's in the final year of his rookie deal. Um, I honestly think if they are going to look to extend him, and I absolutely love Aaron Jones, a fantasy football MVP for me to win both of my fantasy leagues since I had him on both teams. He was my dark horse MVP, didn't end up being my MVP, so shout out to Aaron Jones. But Aaron Jones, if they are looking to re-sign him, and I know they have a guy like Jamal um, you know, Jamal Williams to help them out too, who is kind of their second running back, and they were considered 1A1B a couple years ago, but now Aaron Jones is being considered as their number one back. If you're going to sign him to a long-term deal, he should be their actual number one guy. Like, give this guy 20 touches a game if you're going to give him you know, a certain amount yeah. of money because you know in that running back market, it's only going up and up and up. And 
I think their best bet here is to kind of reduce more of Jamal Williams's, you know, usage. Because as as I talk to you about, you know, because every single week in fantasy, if something were to happen to Aaron Jones, not even in terms of health, I'm talking about a fumble or a drop catch that was crucial that happened this year. Um, it's like they went straight to Jamal Williams for the rest of the game, and then and and. Aaron Jones was kind of a, a no-show. So it's kind of like if you are looking to get that contract extension, feed Aaron Jones and continue to feed him. I don't know how much else I can explain it, but what, what do you think of these uh, potential contract extensions? Yeah, I mean, I think if he's going to get it, I think he deserved it, as you mentioned. Um, he's shown that he uh, he basically has the ability to take over that backfield. And I think you know the Packers are looking for that guy. Um, on that offense, I mean, they have Devontae Adams as well, but but on the ground, I think he's honestly one of the better backs in the league, especially this past year. Uh, so I think he definitely deserves that money. Uh, it's just going to be interesting to kind of see where they're going to price him at because I don't I don't know if he's uh, he's you know worth that next guy up kind of contract because uh, one because I don't know you know longevity. I, I haven't seen him play long enough to to think oh he definitely deserves it, and two. A lot of these running backs that have gotten these massive deals are not performing, uh, so it's almost like a like a curse to to give some of these guys big money. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I'm, again, I don't have much else to say on that other than if we do see that contract extension do, do will if and will happen because um, I don't see him going elsewhere or anything like that or Green Bay moving on from him. Then uh, I'm excited because I love Aaron Jones and I would love to see him continue his success. Um, so we're getting to the real meat and potatoes here. So rumor has it that the Redskins want to bring in Tua Tagovailoa to compete with Haskins for the starting spot. And a lot of people were saying how it was going to be Chase Young from the get-go, and now things have changed. Ron Rivera is the new head coach uh, in Washington, so it's kind of a new mindset there. What do you think of that move if they do decide to do that? Yeah, I mean, it definitely, uh, thinking about it, it definitely was a very interesting situation, and I was surprised by it. Uh, but then I learned a little bit more, obviously read a little bit more into it. Uh, and they, I guess, you know, they, they put it that Ron Rivera, they're coming in with a new staff, a new guy. That's not the guy he drafted in Dwayne Haskins. Um, so, you know, if Ron Rivera wants his guy, he's going to go out and get his guy. Um, so, I mean, I guess, you know, that makes sense, but this is one of those arguments. Uh, do you know, you go after the best guy in the draft or do you go after what you need? And, and that's kind of what I feel like, uh, they're, they're going to be back and forth between. Yeah. We're going to have to see exactly what happens there. Um, two is very talented and, um, regardless of his, uh, you know, the injury that just occurred, he is very, I wouldn't, I, I guess I would say injury prone because he has experienced a lot of injuries when he was, um, the starting quarterback in Alabama, but, um, I think this this would be a strong test for Haskins. I don't. I, I think Ron Rivera is thinking like I don't think he should. Dwayne Haskins should think that he's being given the starting spot just because I'm the new mm-hmm. head coach here. So we'll have to see what happens. But that would be a big change in this draft, man. If Chase Young does end up falling to the Giants, they have a big they have a big choice to make whether they want a guy because they have had a need for linebacker and defensive end for a very long time. Who will they take? We don't know. They have a new head coach in Joe Judge. Who who knows what he would like? So we'll definitely have to see what happens. This this draft could be all over the place if that's the case. Um, another thing with the Redskins, Trent Williams wants a new contract or get a trade out of Washington. He had positive talks with Ron Rivera. He's in the final year of his five-year, $68 million contract. The Redskins won a first-round pick for Williams in return. So I found this very surprising um, if you listen to the report correctly. It's like he's had positive talks with Ron Rivera, but his his um, 
his reputation with the Redskins isn't so great, and and I don't and I think everyone would say they're on more of the side of Trent Williams because again he was misdiagnosed or whatever happened with the medical staff, and then he he's now in new contract talks with the Redskins. That doesn't make much sense to me. If like you're looking to get out, you might as well get out anyway. But it's funny that the first option isn't that he wants to be traded out first, and it's like it's either a new contract or get traded out of there. So it's a little weird. I feel like for Trent Williams, he needs to go to a contender um, at this point in his career. With all the money he's making, he needs to go to a place where he could make a Super Bowl run, um, wherever that may be. But I, I just found that report to be very interesting that a guy like Ron Rivera could sweet-talk him, sweet him into possibly coming back. I just, I just think, in my opinion, if Trent Williams, I know he's not listening to this or anything like that, which is fine, I think your best bet is to get out of Washington, if you were to ask me. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting, and this goes to show, you know, was he really having much of a problem with, with the organization or, or the players, or was it more of kind of who was running the show? Uh, because in my eyes, as you mentioned, it doesn't really make sense for him to just kind of almost consider now possible comeback where before it seemed like it was never going to happen. Uh, so that's what it made me think of. It makes me think that maybe by bringing in Ron Rivera and him seeing that it's a, just a different type of management, Throughout the uh, throughout that coaching staff, maybe that's uh, that's what's going to give him the possibility of coming back. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's something that if Ron Rivera can, if he could pull that off, I think that is obviously a great start um, for him being a co- starting as a coach for the Redskins. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he he is such a talented player. It is tough to see, and I feel like you know players get they get thrown into a strange situation in that boat where it's kind of like, oh, they go to a contender and players look at it and it's like, oh, or fans look at it and say, oh, well, they're not loyal. But then they stick around and, and they don't always get the recognition that they deserve or that ring. So it is a tough situation to be in. And it's just like with Ron Rivera, right? I think your best bet right now is if Trent Williams wants out or a new contract, obviously save your money, get the trade. And if you want a first-round pick in return, get like three first-round picks. You know how valuable this guy is? At, at tackle, yeah. like a lot of teams are looking for a tackle right now. So I think not only should you get a first-round pick, you should get even more picks in return. So here's another thing I heard recently. Uh, Colts and safety Eric Berry discuss a potential contract. Berry is 31 years old, and he was released by the Chiefs a little while back, and he wasn't talks to get a deal with the Browns last offseason. That didn't end up happening. What do you think of him going to um, a division rival in the Colts and potentially going there? Yeah, I mean – in terms of the division rivalry, obviously, you know, that's going to hurt. Uh, the Chiefs are probably not going to be too happy watching that. Uh, but, but on the other side, they had all that time. They, they could have brought him back. And this is a guy that I was surprised did not play last year. Um, I mean, he, he fought through uh, his comeback. I, I believe he had cancer or something along those lines. He was sick. And they ended up coming back, um, playing. But then, you know, never really moved forward with it. And I thought he wasn't playing very bad in the aspect of, oh, he, you know, he's washed. He shouldn't be back in the league. I thought he could have still made it in the league. And, and honestly, when I saw, um, you know, our safeties getting injured throughout the season on the Falcons, I thought, oh, maybe, you know, he's a guy that they'll reach out to. He's a veteran. They'll probably be able to, to bring him on and not charge too much. He's not going to be looking for a crazy amount. Um, so, I mean, I personally wanted him on my team. So I'm not surprised that the Colts are looking to uh, add him onto their team as well. Yeah, yeah, again, it's only talks. I just like to mention some of these things because it could potentially happen, but we'll have to see. Again, he's only 31 years old, and to my surprise, I thought he was a lot older than that for some reason because I felt like I've 
I've heard of him and his name for such a long time, um, but we'll see what exactly happens. I feel like Colts are addicted to signing former Chiefs players for some reason. That's just one of their things. But um, <laughs> here we go here. So the Giants ended up releasing Alec Ogletree and Kareem Martin to free up space. Uh, I think it's over like $10 million um, mm-hmm. in their salary cap, which is huge, huge, huge for them. And a lot of Giants fans, including myself, are saying hallelujah because – that's a guy, um, even though at the beginning he was a good signing, the money just wasn't right at that particular moment. And you want to move on and get someone else. And this is the most cap they've had in a while, especially after um, the retirement of Eli Manning. So um, it's a huge, huge thing right now. And the Giants are also interested in signing, line, signing linebacker Sean Lee, uh, like we mentioned earlier, from the, uh, who was previously on the Cowboys, who will be testing free agency, as well as Joe Schobert, who will be also be testing free agency Um and all that, they could still potentially take uh, linebacker Isaiah Simmons, who we spoke about earlier, with the fourth pick in the draft. So it's like there's a lot of different combinations they could make. They could end up si- they could sign two more linebackers, or they could. I, I think it was what's his name Connolly, who did end up tearing his ACL earlier on in the season, yeah. was having a pretty solid start to the season. He could come back. Who knows to what extent he'll be the same as he was before? Because he did have a couple picks to start off the season, and take Isaiah Simmons or mix it up and have an edge rusher and sign two linebackers. So there's a lot of different options here the Giants could take. Um, we'll have to see what Joe Judge said. Cause, but apparently to his to the, to the description that he wants um, in a player in this draft, Isaiah Simmons, Isaiah Simmons seems like the guy because he says he wants a guy who can play not only play one spot, he wants guys to move around. So, but who knows if that's exactly what he's going for there. We don't even know if he's pulling the strings because a guy like David Gettleman, um, as you know, uh, makes his own decisions so we'll have to uh, exactly see what happens um do you have any thoughts on that or do you want me to just keep going up to you yeah i mean just uh just basically on that i was surprised i mean i thought ogletree was a great player but i just think you know in the way that the team is at right now they just i don't think they were going to be able to pay him so unfortunately they had to let go um but it was just one thing you know i, I was just surprised I, if they go out and get isaiah simmons you know that kind of I guess hopefully you, you figure it's going to make up for it, um, and you get a younger guy as well. You don't just get talent. Um, but we'll, yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes. Uh, so I, I love this. I, I, was, I was originally going to skip over this, but I absolutely love this. So um, I think we mentioned last week that Jordan Reed was going to be released by the Redskins, which he officially has at this point mm-hmm. in time. But the Rams actually have spoken to Jordan Reed about a potential contract, which I found very, very, very interesting. Because last year they got a guy involved like Everett, and I and this is a pet peeve I had all season long. It's like, why are you gonna pay Tyler Higby all that money and not use him? And he emerged later on in the season as Everett did get injured later on. So it was like you definitely saw where the money was. They put their money where their mouth is in that sense. But it's like, now why do you want another tight end in Jordan Reed when Tyler Higby emerged as the guy later in the season? And if you don't like Higby and you want to pay him all that money without using him, you still have Everett. So it's like I found that very very strange. But maybe they're just doing their due diligence i don't know yeah i have no idea why they would try to be interested in him i mean he is obviously a very big liability in the fact that he's always hurt and like honestly not even to be a jerk but he could be one more injury away from basically ending his career um so, so it is a very big risk uh, so I don't I don't see like you know we mentioned earlier with like the Patriots and Packers for example they're looking to fill a void at, at tight end I don't think they're going to be really too interested because it's it's not going to be a long term option 
when you have guys like uh, Hunter Henry that we mentioned and Austin Hooper, those are probably going to be uh, they're they're going to be the the two most gone after tight ends um, if Hunter Henry doesn't get franchise tagged. But it, it's it's a strange, strange, strange decision as you mentioned. Yeah. So again, again, this list is very, very long. A lot of things we missed here, and then we'll jump into. Um, the franchise tag, as you know, is the name of this show, and we find it so, so interesting that the franchise tag is a part of the league because a lot of players are against it. And people actually think in the new collective bargaining agreement the franchise tag should be something they should eliminate, which I think would absolutely be hilarious considering it's the name of our show. And I mentioned this on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it, and I said the reason that's the name of our show is because a lot of the, a lot of players don't like it, and they, mm-hmm. even though they can get paid um, – you know, like the top tier players in their position in position that year, which could end up being, you know, 15 to $60 million or so, it doesn't, you know, guarantee long-term security. And if you do get hurt, that could, um, potential that could potentially hurt you in the future, uh, financial financially, if you're not secured in. And that was the problem with guys like Melvin Gordon last year. And, you know, who couldn't come to an agreement. I don't think he was franchise tag, but there was never an agreement. But there's guys like Allen Robinson, and that's their tweet I responded to on our Twitter, and he said that he didn't want it in the it, that should be out in the new collective bargaining agreement. So it's just such a great aspect of the show, the fact that we're going to get into the players that are potentially going to be franchise tagged or franchise tagged and how big of a problem it's going to be for the next coming years. I mean, who knows? Maybe in the future this could be out. Um, this could be a, a potential thing that could be in the collective bargaining agreement that they can get rid of who knows but one last thing before we get into all the franchise tag players um texans and laramie tonsil um discuss new contract he's seeking 19 to 20 million dollars in annual salary um but in but he's set to play um on his fifth year option right now do you think he should get paid after this year or come to a new deal maybe soon-ish. I'm actually not too sure. I think when they did acquire him, they kind of were in panic mode because they did end up making the playoffs sure. You can count that as a success. Mm-hmm. But it's like you did give up a lot. Like, what was it, like two firsts and a second or something like that to try to get Larry Tunsil in there? It just it was a bit much. So I think this is another situation where Larry Tunsil's in the driver's seat. They'd probably make that annual salary of 19 to $20 million. Yeah, I I don't know if, if that's something <laughs> that should be pursued. I mean, he's a he's a good he's a good lineman. He is. He's a, a tackle whatever he is. He is very good. But I just don't know if that's kind of you know if he's worth that because I think he's a great offensive lineman, but I don't know if he's you know that great if that makes sense. I feel you, and again, we'll see what happens. Again, making the playoffs and the fact that you spend, you did spend all those picks. Laramie Tunsil was in a pretty good spot to probably get that money, but we'll have to see what Bill O'Brien does. He is the yeah. acting head coach and GM, so he has some decisions to make. So let's get into franchise tag. Not the name of our show. Who is currently franchise tagged or will be franchise tagged if no long-term deal is reached? It is franchise tag season, so. Let's jump right into it. So Unique Ngakwe did get placed. Uh, did they, the Jaguars did place the franchise tag on Unique Ngakwe? But he did tweet that um, he talked to the Jaguars and they are not going to come to terms on a long-term deal. So he could potentially get traded very, very soon. Another um, weapon that the Giants are looking to possibly trade if the opportunity does present itself. And I did get into an argument the other day with our buddy Mark, who has been on this podcast, and he is a little bit of a homer, and I'm sure he knows that. But we're talking about Jadavian Clowney and Nini Ngakwe. Who would he rather want 
um, on the Giants if they do pursue those two because there's uh, interest. Um, and he wanted Jadavian Clowney just because he seems like the better player. But to me, it's like you got to get the younger guy if a team like the Giants is – rebuilding I think Anik Ngakwe is going to help you a whole lot more he was on a team that was at their highest and ended up being at their lowest so why not go to a team you know in the city that's going to give you a substantial amount of money and you're only 24 years old in the next couple of years we'll see how Daniel Jones develop and how that offense works out and this if this defense comes together if you end up getting a guy like Isaiah Simmons or you know, you sign guys like Sean Lee and Joe Schobert, and, and there's a lot of different options they can go with. So if they do end up building a pretty solid defense, this could I think it's a better place for Unique Ngakwe to go than Jadavian Clowney, where Jadavian Clowney's at the point in his career where it's like, I want to be on a contender, and I have been on a contender for the past couple of years on the Texans before going to the Seattle Seahawks, who are a playoff contender this year, um, but ended up losing um, and not and you know not making it to the finish line, obviously. So it's like, what do you think? I think Yannick Ngakwe would make would be the way better choice in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, I, I did voice a little bit on my opinion on that. And my main argument for why I think Ngakwe would be the better option is because you got to try to transition him into something that he's more familiar with. You're going to put him into a role that you know he's used to playing. And in my eyes, both the Giants' offense and and the uh, the Jaguars' offenses were not, you know, phenomenal. They weren't great. They're not going to go out here and, on an average, score you a ton of points. I would say. Um, whereas I think, you know, Russell Wilson and that Seahawks offense—they're very dynamic. So Jadavian Clowney, I know that he is a defensive player, and Ngakwe—they are both defensive players. But when you have a player that's playing in, in an environment that they're used to, it's very—I I think the transitioning process is a little bit smoother. Because if you have a guy who's going out there and, you know, the defense is the main force of, of how they're going to play well, uh, that, that defensive player obviously holds more weight on that team. And I feel like Jadevian Clowney is obviously a very great player. Uh, but I, I just I think that that offense is ultimately what ends up winning them games. Because you have Russell Wilson, you have Lockett, DK Metcalf, um, you had – um, you have Marshawn Lynch a little bit towards the end of the season. Uh, it, it, it's just, I feel like, you know, if you're transitioning him in, I think Ngakwe, as you mentioned, he is the younger guy, so that I think is also a plus. Uh, but, but he's just, in my opinion, he, he's, he's going to be more fit for the role. He's understanding of transitioning in, you know, the defense for the Giants. It, it's going to have to be, they're, they're looking to step up, and I think, you know, he, he's already been a part of a team that's done that they've gone from struggling to uh as we mentioned earlier they they almost made it to the super bowl so i think he would be a, a great option so other players look uh will probably get tagged or already have been tagged um under the franchise tag is Dak prescott chris jones aj green who just recently got franchise tag Shaq barrett could be potentially franchise tagged over Jameis winston which could be very interesting um hunter henry and Justin Simmons, Tennessee still had a decision to make on whether Derrick Henry or Ryan Tannehill will get tagged. I think their best case scenario right now is if they do end up tagging. Um, actually, I haven't even made a decision on this because if they do end up paying Derrick Henry, that's going to be a lot of money, right? But if you do end up tagging Ryan Tannehill, that could be a good thing because you could see whether or not he's a long-term deal or not, and you already are secured the be- one of the better running backs in the league in Derrick Henry. But if you do end up tagging Derrick Henry and signing Ryan Tannehill long-term and he doesn't end up working out the way last season went, then mm-hmm. you know, you're know you in a little bit of a dilemma. So I th- honestly think 
probably tagging Tannehill would be their best case scenario. I'm not sure what you think on that, though. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely going to be a uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting situation um, because you know Tannehill is that guy that kind of just came in and decided to take over. And I mean, obviously, Derrick Henry had a great, basically, monster season. Um, so the, the both of them, you look at it as is uh, you know is Derrick Henry kind of pushing through that offense and making Tannehill look a little bit better. It is a it is definitely a, a hard situation uh, to choose who you want to go with. In my opinion, I think that, um, you know, Derrick Henry has been around that team. I think that he personally, um, I, I think he personally deserves the contract. I think he's earned it. Whereas Tannehill, as I mentioned, you know, he just got on. So if that is an option, I think the franchise tag would be better for um, Tannehill. So I didn't mention this before, but Unique Ngakwe, um, since he is franchise tagged and he won't sign long term, he is looking for $22 million annual salary if he does. Um, end up getting traded and signing long-term somewhere else. That is a high price to pay, but the Giants do have money to spend. Um, but we'll have to see where he does end up going and who has the money to spend that. Um, let's see here. Oh, so A.J. Green um, is now franchise tagged by the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm not sure if you heard this. You probably did, but Joe Burrow did request for the Bengals to franchise tag him, and they abided by his request, and they and they did it. And... Now he's going to have a uh, weapon who is pro- most more likely than not going to be healthy going into week one. Hopefully he stays healthy all year long because he is a guy who is very electric, who's very good um, in a solid offense, who we probably hasn't had in a long time. But now he has a new quarterback throwing to him who was uh, the college football Heisman Award winner and also a national champion in Joe Burrow um, with small hands. But, you know, you can always look past <laughs> that. Um and I honestly think that's a very good sign by Joe Burrow. Now he's kind of self-aware that he is going to be taken by the Bengals, and you get A.J. Green back. You signed uh, Tyler Boyd to a long-term deal. Um, you know, John Ross, if he does stay healthy, and um, you did see glimpses of you know, of him stretching the field this year when healthy. Um, and then who was their other wide receiver who was there in John Ross's absence? I forgot his name. Auden Tate, I think is his name. He was probably yeah, kind of yeah, solid. Yeah, so yeah. I, he definitely has a lot of weapons to work with, and you're going to get Jonas Simpson – um, you know, on their offensive line, maybe they could spend some more money on some other guys. And man, you think years ago, if they just secured a couple other guys and maybe got rid of guys earlier, they still could have had Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zeitler on that offensive line. And you look at the, and they they still ended up getting the number one pick somehow in Joe Burrow. And I hate making up hypotheticals, but that would have been probably a match made in heaven if you were to ask me. But you know, get AJ Green back, I think that's very solid, and I think. Joe Burrow's ready to play, and that should be a very interesting division to watch. Um, so another thing here, um, like I mentioned before, Shaq Barrett um, may get franchise tagged. I think that would be in their best-case scenario right now. They were looking to probably tag Jameis too, but I'm actually not too sure if they're going to do that. Bruce Arians has been outspoken that if they can win with any other quarterback, <laughs> even with Jameis or without Jameis. And now they have interest in signing Teddy Bridgewater. Um so if they do end up tagging Shaq Barrett and they do end up signing Teddy Bridgewater, which probably going to be a significant amount of money, they have a decision to make whether they want to do that with Jameis Winston, who now has brand new eyes and fixed his knee and has and probably fixed his, fixed up his hand um, and decide to go with him, or a guy like Teddy Bridgewater um, who hasn't lost a game uh, since he started with the Saints. So what, what do you think of that? I mean, based on the comments that Bruce Arians has made, um, they haven't been very great about Jameis Winston, so I would not be very surprised if they move on from him. 
and do pursue Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I, I mean, te, uh, what's it? Jameis, he did get, as you mentioned, all he has all these situations that he went through in the off season. So maybe that will play more of a significant role uh, moving forward. But I, I know that this is kind of like the year, and, and we talked about it uh, between him and I believe it was Mark Smarrow as well during the beginning of the season and kind of like, oh, what are they going to do? They have to make a decision. Um, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I feel like Jameis has had a lot of opportunities and I feel like he hasn't really capitalized on a lot of them. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised again, going back to where I started with Bruce Arians and just moving forward with him because he really hasn't spoken very highly of him. Well, Bruce Arians, the reason he signed with the Bucks is because he thought he could fix up Jameis Winston and we didn't mm-hmm. see much of that this year. He went 30 for 30. Um, in touchdowns and interceptions. And, you know, I think originally he wanted to be the Browns head coach, which didn't end up happening because they decided to move forward with Freddie Kitchens. But, he, you know, he wouldn't come out of the booth unless he saw some potential in Jameis. And obviously this year there was a lot of frustration, and he's been very outspoken about it, so we'll have to see what exactly happens. And Bruce Arians also isn't a fan of analytics. Um, I don't know if you heard that before, but he's been outspoken about that too. He just doesn't think it makes much sense. Um, he thinks if you can't make a decision on fourth and one at the goal line, um, according to numbers, then you're not going to win. So, you know, shout out to Bruce Arians. Actually, I, I love him a lot. He's a great head coach. Um, so I'm just going to run through these pretty, pretty fast. Again, these are all the franchise tags that will most likely be happening or have already happened. The Chiefs will place the franchise tag on uh, defensive tackle Chris Jones. And if you are the Super Bowl winning team, a franchise tag is probably the best thing to do for a player, considering that if I'm going to come back to the Super Bowl next year or compete for a Super Bowl, I don't mind being paid $15 million a year at the top price of the position. And Chris Jones wants to be there long term. And he, um, when he first showed up, um, people were a little skeptical at first about him, but he ended up being one of the bigger X factors in stopping guys like Derrick Henry and a lot of people and a lot of running backs in the backfield, you know, making their way to the Super Bowl. Uh, Chargers, like I mentioned before, are likely to place the franchise tag on Hunter Henry if no, if there's no agreement on a new deal. The Steelers are expected to place a franchise tag on Bud Dupree. The Ravens are expected to franchise tag Matt Judon, which I think is a very good tag if hopefully he doesn't hold out or anything like that. I think he's a pretty solid player for them and a good person to tag at this point in time um, for their organization. The Giants are expected to franchise tag or transition tag defensive end Leonard Williams. And the only reason why they're doing that, because he is looking for a huge, huge deal, is because they spent those second and third round picks and gave them over to the Jets. So um, we'll have to see what happens here. This is kind of unfortunate um, if he's getting paid that much, but he's probably the likely candidate to get franchise tagged at this very moment. Um, the Niners are working on a new deal for Arik Armstead. If no new deal is done, he will be franchise tagged. Um, so we'll see what happens with them. The Cowboys, uh, I already mentioned they opened new uh, talks with Dak, and he could get the franchise tag. Um, the Eagles are looking to make a strong push to acquire free agent cornerback Byron Jones. Um, so we'll have to see what happens with that as well. The Eagles are in the market currently for a new cornerback um, as well as some wide receiver help as well. So we'll see what happens going into this draft and how they spend their money. The Panthers decline the 2020 contract option for Dontari Poe, making him an unrestricted free agent and frees up $9.8 million in cap room. Jimmy Smith is expected to test free agency, and I think, you know, I think that's another name the Eagles could be looking for in a corner. 
Um, so we'll have to see what happens with him, and I'm not sure how much money in the cornerback market he'll be looking to get. Uh, Niners GM John Lynch reiterated that Jimmy G is their long-term quarterback. Uh, what do you think of that? Um, I mean, I didn't really think there was going to be much of a discussion on that one. I, I know that there was a lot of criticism on Jimmy G and, and how the defense kind of carried him, and he wasn't performing great, and that the only reason they made it to the Super Bowl was because of that defense. Uh, but then there was all that talk about when Tom Brady first was mentioning that he might not be returning, about how people were saying, you know, oh, well, what if he goes to the 49ers? Are they going to then, you know, because that's where he grew up, and that's the team that Tom Brady kind of grew up watching and, and loving. They're like, oh, what are they? then they're going to bench Jimmy G. I, I mean, that was just all obviously speculation. Um, but I just – I don't I don't think that they – that he has – really done enough yet. I feel like he, he tore his ACL and, and they were kind of not playing well, which is to be expected. And then he comes back and they make it to the Super Bowl, whether it's more on the defense or him, it doesn't really matter. His, his first full year really with them, they went to the Super Bowl. I mean, you can't really discredit him and, and make you know any comments about him at that point. Yeah, I don't think it would have been the greatest move to move on from him, from him just yet. Yes, you do have that long-term deal, and you could opt out of that contract if you so choose to do so. But um, I think with the re- rapport he has with the team right now, I think it's your best bet to continue on with him. Again, he hasn't done enough yet, and it's just a, still a small sample size at this current moment. Even seeing him play in the Super Bowl again, it, it would be a whole different conversation. We wouldn't even be having this conversation right now if he completed that throw to Emmanuel Sanders to possibly win the game. Um, in the Super Bowl, so it's like, you know, if one thing leads to another and, you know, some events went in different situ- went in different directions, you know, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. So I, th- I don't think that's enough to move on from Jimmy G just yet. So we'll see what happens this upcoming year. Also with the Niners, they're open to trading Marquise Goodwin. What do you think of that? Yeah, that in my eyes is, is very interesting. I don't know if they, um, you know, they just like what they're seeing from Kittle and maybe Debo Samuel, I I don't know, but that that's interesting because I feel like he uh, he was an interesting fit. And I mean, the the next thing that I'm assuming then is that they're going to try to keep Emmanuel Sanders around, but he's you know I don't think he's going to be around much longer uh, anyway. So I don't know. It's it's an interesting um, decision, I guess, on their end. I, I I I mean, he's one of those guys that we were talking about earlier where it seems that he was just very 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 quick, and uh, he hasn't really made a huge name for himself in the league. So we'll just kind of have to see if uh, he has a big market if they do get rid of him. I think he did have some flashing points, but overall it was just kind of like his his he didn't have much availability, and also the Niners have other weapons they could use as well. So we'll have to see. Um, the Browns uh, place, a, place the um, a tender on Kareem Hunt because he was a restricted free agent, so they will be bringing him back. And um, he should have a very exciting year next year. I still think as soon as he's able to get out of Cleveland, he better go to a team that's looking for a solid running back um, and is looking for a number one running back because I still think he can make some noise in this league. Um, the Vikings are expected to re-sign Everson Griffin. He opted out of his contract after getting more than six sacks. I didn't even know that was a thing in contracts where if you're able to opt out of your contract if you get – um, a, cer- a certain stat line, which I thought was very interesting. But they're looking to bring him back. Um, he wanted to get out of his contract initially, but now all signs point to him returning to the Vikings. When you first heard of that report, did you already know you could do something like that, or is it just me? 
I knew that you were able to use that as incentive, so you can get like a bonus or anything like that. But opting out of your you contract, opt out. That was crazy. You can opt out. Yeah. Um, and one last thing I have on my list here. I'm just checking uh, some updates. So I haven't really seen an update. Let me take a look at Adam Schefter. If anything has happened during the show, because if hell breaks loose again, I'm going to be very, very angry. Um. Let's see. So the last thing he actually did mention was four hours ago, which is the A.J. Bouye thing. So nothing as of right now at the time of this recording, March 3rd, 8.30 at night. Um, I almost said 8.30 o'clock. Last thing here on my <laughs> list. So uh, as we mentioned earlier in the show, and we're kind of coming back full circle on Chris Harris because we did start off the show um, with A.J. Boye now going to the Broncos, m- making him the replacement for Chris Harris. Um, teams interested include the Cowboys – the Raiders, the Jets, Lions, and the Texans, surprisingly the Eagles are not in this list, are interested in Chris Harris. Where do you believe he would be the best fit on a, te- on a team on that list? Before I answer, why is why are the Eagles not in talks? They could, like they could be. This is, these are just the teams listed. I just I don't get it. I feel like everybody talks about how their defense has been playing awful and their secondary is trash, and then when these big guys come up, they know where to be found. Well, they want Byron Jones, so. Yeah. I don't know. I I think, I don't know. I kind of want to see him go to Oakland. I just kind of want to see, well, it wouldn't be Oakland anymore. Well, the Eagles but, um, are in talks to get Slay, too, so maybe they're more focused on that than Chris Harris. So That is true. I, I would like to see him go to, to the Raiders. Um, that wow. would definitely be. I don't know. I just, I just feel like the the Raiders need to, to have like uh have, have to come back around and start winning games. They had that one year where they, I think they made it to the playoffs, but Derek Carr got hurt, and uh, you know they kind of were out of it before they even really started. But I don't know. I think uh, I think the the Raiders they kind of need to start winning those games. They're moving their location, so it's just kind of like let, let's let's try to. Give the fans something to want to come see. Well, I think a very good spot Make for Chris Harris move. would probably be the Texans because, listen, the Texans, they're our playoff team. People can't forget that. Um, and they did end up, um, you know, beating the the uh, the Bills in the first round. But I, oh, yeah. I still do think if their defense could somewhat, you know, get enhanced a little more. And again, that, that offensive line needs to get fixed as soon as possible. They do need to make some possible, you know, they do need to make some changes there or, you know, possibly some competition there to try to protect Deshaun Watson. Cause if he's hurt, there's no hope. But if you bring in a guy like Chris Harris, and again, they brought in a guy like Tyron Matthew who made like a pit stop there because he tore his ACL and now he's a Super Bowl champion with the chiefs and he got his money. So I mm-hmm. think if Chris Harris can go there and hold his own there and, you know, keep his name, um, as being one of the better corners in the league, I think he's definitely up there in age, if I'm not mistaken. Or am I? I'm not sure if I'm completely. No, nah, yeah, I I think he is. That's why I think the I, the Texans I think would be a solid spot for him because I don't think they're in dire need of a corner, but I think some help there would definitely suffice. Oh, he's only thirty, and I was talking about Eric Berry oh, being okay. thirty-one. So being you know thirty, that's not too bad. I mean, a no. guy a guy five ten, one hundred ninety-nine pounds. I mean. From and he's Super Bowl champion, four-time Pro Bowler. First uh, in 2016, he was first team All Pro. It's like why not bring a guy like that into Texas? Um, 
you know, into Houston and, you know, help them out a little bit. I think that would be a good landing spot, in my opinion. I could totally see him going there, too. I don't think I don't think the Lions, unless they're looking to make an immediate um, switch, you know, after if they do move, decide to move on from Darius Slay, they'd end up getting rid of, uh, you know, Snacks Harrison, which both of them were in contract talks um, a little while ago as well. Um, I don't see him going there. I don't don't see him going there unless that's the case. I don't see him going to the Jets either. Raiders, like you mentioned before, would be a good spot for some reason. A lot of ex Broncos players do like going to the Raiders, so who knows? And then obviously the Cowboys are in trade talks everywhere. And again, I think a dark horse here would be the Eagles if they do decide to make a move. But like I mentioned before, they're more interested in guys like Byron Jones and um, uh, Darius Slay um, if that ends up coming into fruition. So, so yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, one last thing that I do want to bring up, um, because I know we mentioned it earlier, and I did just see this. Um, it was updated a little while back. Uh, and that was that we mentioned that Foles, we don't know where really what is going to happen with him. And the news is, of, as of recently, I can tell you exactly when. Um, it was a couple hours ago. But there really was no talks, substantial talks for Nick Foles. Um, and the rumors around are that obviously Tom Brady is going to be like the primary target for teams to try to target, um, you know, if he doesn't go back to New England. But once he does sign, people are saying that Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston, Philip Rivers, and even the possibility of Marcus Mariota, they're going to end up costing less than what Nick Foles would be. So they're probably going to be, um, you know, considered before Nick Foles even would be in free agency. So, Chris, that's all I have on my list today for you, my man. Thank you for joining me today to talk about some football. And, by the way, before I close out the show, and I, I'm so glad I didn't re- I remember this because I'm scrolling through Twitter and I saw him. And um, so, in case you guys missed it, or, and I think all of you have seen it because it went viral on Twitter and Instagram uh, last week, is the person we interviewed in the XFL, defensive end slash defensive lineman or tackle, because I've seen him play all these positions, uh, in the XFL for the Battle Hawks, uh, Jake Payne. We interviewed him before the season started, and he got he was very excited about coming into this year, and the team's actually looking pretty solid as well as they have one of the better fan bases in the whole XFL. Went absolutely viral mm-hmm. on Twitter for biting off a Bud Light seltzer you know, top of the can and then chugging it and smashing it on his head. I'm sure all of you have seen it. So if you guys are interested, please go check out our interview with Jake Payne. It's also on YouTube. If you want to check it out, it's Franchise Tag Podcast on YouTube and it's at Franchise Tag Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and make sure on, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, you can go listen to that. So if you didn't end up seeing that, and by the way, Chris, he is now verified on Twitter. So I think that kind of put him over the top there. Oh, definitely. It had to be that video. I remember I actually uh, messaged him after that. And uh, I was like, you know, I was like, yeah, good game. I'm like, I'm not sure if you're aware. I'm like, but you're trending with your video all over the place. And he goes, oh, he goes, yeah, he goes, oh, he goes, I know. Oh, you still, you still, you still talk to him from time to time? Yeah, from time to time, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny how he responds. The dude is so genuine. I could talk about him for hours, but the guy's now verified on Twitter. He's moving on to bigger and better things. Absolutely love Jake Payne. Shout out Jake Payne if you want to check out our interview um, please go on YouTube or Apple Podcasts if you want to do that. So that's the one last thing I wanted to add there. So other than that, thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate it. Hopefully we can get Chris back in the studio eventually. I absolutely feel like garbage right now. So hopefully I can feel better the next time you feel like recording. And, and you know, if news does break out eventually, listen, it is franchise tag season. It is the name of the show. 
So you got to represent when the time comes and the new league year will be on March 18th. So how we'll be breaking loose, we'll be monitoring that, um, especially in free agency as well. Um, so thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time.